What if she sees you out while you're with another girl and she just loses the handle? Absolute volcanic breakdown, barbecue breakdown, sends a text, turns the key, sends the nukes. And even though you thought you were in an open relationship, you thought there was a agreed upon non-exclusivity to this, but shit just shit at the fan. You can only ever be where you are right now. What is your podcast? It's the major investment in your life, right? The journey will always be your journey. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here, and welcome to the Bold Dojo Podcast. We're at the home of self-cultivation, a place where we can just dive into social dynamics, where we can understand how best to interact with other human beings and learn about ourselves in relation to others. If you have any questions or personal stories that you would like to get my feedback on, you can always send them through at bolddojo.com, B-O-W-L-D-O-J-O.com, any one of the contact forms there. Or you can also reach out to me on social media, on Instagram, at uitang one double oi tang one or on facebook which is just facebook the adam ui you guys can find all the links down below to that also if you're not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter the bowl sip you can do so over at bowldojo.com just a quick sip of social dynamics little cheeky article it's free every single week comes out on fridays australian time and also some other sexy updates from the rest of the universe and any other things that i think you guys need to know about that will not get censored over on social media. If you'd like to book one-on-one coaching sessions, create action plans, and overcome limiting beliefs to help you move forward in your life across any area of the temple, whether it be purpose, physical, mental, or social development, you can reach all of that through bowldojo.com. Send me an email there if you're not quite sure, but you can check out the bowl coaching memberships or just once-off sessions. And I look forward to diving deeper with you. You can also pick up the guided meditation, Eternal Energy, on bowldojo.com. A nice five-track, eh, we call it an album, but it's actually more of a course just diving deep into who you are and evolving beyond. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, which is paypal.me forward slash Adam Ui, A-D-A-M-O-O-I, or also directly on bulldojo.com in the Bulldojo podcast section. There's a direct link through the website if you want to donate through that as well. And anything that you guys donate is always most appreciated and just goes back to help supporting this show and everything that I'm doing here at The Bowl. So thank you very much. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Yes, sir. But shit just shit at the fan. Particularly when we talk about different racial backgrounds, girls with different levels of sexual experience, and females that maybe had a different vision than that which they had signed up to. We've got so many different topics here in regards to why someone would enter an open relationship. Are they happy with it? Are they not happy with it? Did you set it up in the right way? We're going to not only cover that female perspective, we're going to cover the male perspective because this is, of course, writing off a story that has been sent in. Uh, I will not mention, this is a very sensitive subject because this is currently underway. I'll say this, he's been following the channel and the podcast for a long time. Just a male who's been following this channel and this podcast for a long time. That's important to know because some of the mistakes that he made are actually incomprehensible from my perspective if you've been following my content. He made a lot of mistakes and has set her up and has set up the bridge to be burning from the beginning. It was a, it was a burning bridge from the beginning and man, did it burn. Man, did it burn. There's a very explosive what happened as a result. Since we're going to have to rehash a lot of the principles of open and free relationships as we go through this podcast, although yes, for my regular listeners, we have ad nauseum gone through the principles of open and free relationships, but this guy broke a lot of them. He smashed a lot of them, even though he self-confessed follows a lot of my content. So it seems that the fundamentals always need to be practiced and rehashed. So I thank you all for joining in today. It's been a good minute. We've been doing roughly one BDP per month over the last couple of months, as I've been doing a lot of, putting a lot of my effort into the Eternal Energy channel. 
If you haven't hit up that channel yet, a lot of other different content over there. Uh, but it's great to return back to you guys today and just dive into some hardcore social dynamics. We're going to dive into the world of human interaction here, learn to not only understand ourselves, but understand ourselves in relation to others. That's what today's about. It's about progressing humanity forward when it comes to our interpersonal relationships. You know, you learn social dynamics not for your own gain, but so that you could help benefit someone else so that you could improve someone else's life. Yeah, it's, it's cool getting into awesome relationships and, you know, having more sexual abundance and being clear with people and just having less shit to deal with between your either friends, family, or romantic partners just because you're just so practiced at having conversations. But, you know, that's great, but it's actually more about how it benefits others. You give a much better experience to someone else. So let's get straight into this guy's story. And if you guys are here on YouTube, thanks for being here. If you enjoyed this content, drop a thumbs up on the video down below. Share any comments, any big feedback, any big questions, just in the comment box down below. Make sure you're subscribed. And of course, share this with a friend if you get some benefit. And if you guys have not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip, you can do that at bowldojo.com, B-O-W-L-D-O-J-O-J-O.com. And the links are all in the description. You sign up for free, free weekly email newsletter each Friday. All right, that's a pretty hot, pretty hot intro. Let's let's really sink in today. This is going to be a sesh. This is going to be, I'm really excited for this. Okay, so diving into this guy's story straight away, I'm not going to tell you where he sent this message, but he sent it. He's from a Western country. He says, hi, Adam. I know it's been a while and haven't got in touch with you in a long time. I was wondering if I could get your views slash advice on my current situation. I've been dating a girl for three months now. In brackets, we enjoy our time together. In brackets. And I do see her being potentially exclusive one day in the future. However, not at this point in time. I just went on a first date with another girl where we held hands whilst walking in the train station. And the girl I dated three months for three months saw me with her and we walked past without making eye contact. So much went through my mind. I really don't know how I can come back from this and see her again. Any advice would help me greatly. Thanks, Adam. So just to clarify there, his, his English was a little off. What he meant was that he was on a first date with a different girl that were holding hands, walking through a train station, and the girl that he was been dating for the last three months walked past. They she saw she saw him with the other girl. She walked past. They didn't make eye contact. Ice, icy, <laughs> very icy. He has not messaged her since. Now, I got back to him, but I need a lot more. I need a lot more context in that. I asked him. You know, what is the exact nature of your relationship with the three-monther? You know, what are the T's and C's you guys have accreted upon regarding exclusivity, openness to seeing other people, frequency of which you'll see each other, communicating with each other, disclosure around other sexual partners, you know, all the all the principles of an open and free relationship, nailing out all these nuts and bolts to make sure it flows well. I just need to know if any of these have even been uh, erected or if any of them have even been touched on. And then second, I did ask, since seeing that girl in the train station, have you reached out to her, the three-monther? Since seeing the three-monther in the train station, have you reached out to her, had any comms? If not, what do you plan to do about this? So he came back with a lot more context. And this is where things start to get really juicy because I've got some text messages to go through here as well. This is brilliant. Let's do it. So in answer to my question number one in regards to you know what's the exact nature of their relationship, he says, the three-monther, she, asked me if I was seeing anyone about two to three weeks ago. And I told her, in quotes, I couldn't provide an exclusive relationship. And because of that, I can't provide the emotional support for the kind of boyfriend she would require. End quotes. 
she was okay with that and got more attracted to me because I said that. So I think I made it very clear to her I was seeing other girls. In brackets, indirectly, I suppose. In brackets. Okay, no, I should finish I should finish all the context and we'll go back up. This is like us setting up the contents of this bamboo podcast. Uh, however, you can already sense there's several red flags within that one thing right there. There's a couple of things I just want to go to town on, but we, we'll hold the town. We'll hold the town. We'll enter the town in a second. <laughs> We're on the outskirts right now. So, okay. In regards to question number two about have you seen her since the train station incident? And also, if you guys are wondering, because there's a lot of missing pieces here, like how long ago was the train station situation? Has he seen her in between? I ask all these questions in a second. So what happened was he sent me that first part clarifying how he thought he had set up the relationship about exclusivity. Okay, great. We got that. It's very indirect, indirect about it. But then part two, he then went on to send me a three screenshots or two, I should say. Wait, there was three. Oh, maybe it's just two, but it's got three lines in it. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. Okay, he sent me some screenshots of the conversation between the two. However, I'm not going to read them out yet because they don't make sense if you don't understand the context of when they were sent. So I had to. I, so I read through this conversation, which was basically an absolute shit show. The the conversation between these two through text was just absolute fireworks, barbecue breakdown. But it, it, but I had to ask like when this happened and what happened in between. So after reading those two texts, which I don't worry, I will read them out for you guys. Just hold on to your fucking pants. I'll get to it in a second. I said to him, "Okay, I just need to get a few things straight here." So number one, you had an indirect conversation about not being exclusive two to three weeks ago with this three-month girl. So keep that in mind. They've been in a relationship, sexual relationship, seeing each other on and off, you know, nine to ten times or so over the three-month period, and it was only two to three weeks ago. So in the latter third of their being together and being sexually intimate, that they had an indirect conversation about uh, not being exclusive. And that she got more, and then in his words, she got more attracted as a result of that. And we might be able to, you know, attracted is an interested word. I might say, I might like to swap out the word or at least brother the word attached rather than attracted with that. I feel, I would feel as you start to see, well, you guys might be thinking about it. How can you say that? It's because I already know the end of the story. It's because I've already know what she says. So you'll see what I mean by that in a second. Part two. So I'm saying to him, so I get that straight. So you had an indirect conversation about not being exclusive two or three weeks ago. She got more attached. Part two. You didn't see her at all until the train station incident. And then part three, you had the text conversation above and um, escalate, And I'm curious about how that escalated so damn quickly because it seems a little out of place. So how many times have you two had sex and did you two have sex in between the indirect conversation about being not exclusive and the train station situation? Because uh, basically what I'm trying to ask there is that I'm trying to find out if the if there was a fuse already lit, like if there was already gunpowder lying around in this basement just waiting to go off because, again, of how the text messages went down because it was so explosive, which I dicky, you guys. Just chill the fuck out. I'll get there in a second, all right? Okay, so he goes, sorry for not being clear, Adam. Number one, you are correct. The indirect conversation about not being exclusive happened two to three weeks ago. She got more attached. Part two, I saw her once every week 
I saw her twice, I think, between the conversation, that indirect conversation, two to three weeks ago, and seeing her at the train station incident. So he saw her twice, and they most likely, because if they're only seeing each other once a week, they most likely had a sexual encounter, sexual experience during that as well. Okay, good. So what's most important to note there is that they did have sex a couple times, at least once, I'd say a couple times, in between him having an indirect conversation about them being non-exclusive and the absolute volcano barbecue breakdown in the train station where she saw him with another girl. We have to nail that out. You have to get your mind wrapped around that because that's a key pivotal piece of evidence when piecing the story together when it gets to her reaction later on. Like you just need to hold that in there. Part three, I sent the text, let's talk after the 30 minutes of the train station incident. So any text before that was going well. Okay, you guys don't know about that yet, but that'll make sense a little more later on. And in total, we've had sex maybe eight to 10 times. Can't remember exactly. And that makes sense if they've been seeing each other once a week for the last couple of months or so, right? We had sex in between the indirect conversation and the train station situation, including the day before the train station incident, which I didn't even remember off my heart. That's a piece of information for me today as well. And that just, that's more gunpowder in this basement. <laughs> that just makes it, you, you got to see it in a second, like how, how things got to the situation they got to. I'm having a lot of fun with this at the beginning because things are about to get real. Things are about to get very serious. We like to start these podcasts with a lot of energy and uh, just a lot of a lot of joy. So, because things can get pretty dark. So that clears up basically everything in terms of the context. And I said, "Yep, this all clears everything up. I'll do this in a full podcast." And he goes, "Sure, I listen to all your podcasts, so they're of great value. Thank you so much." Okay, just a few little bit of extra context. I'll see how much I can tell you because just about the two people because I mentioned before at the beginning of the podcast. Racial background and uh, racial background and sexual experience and preconcepted ideas of attachment play a big role in these situations. So I need to know a lot about this. It's actually really important for me to know how old they are and what racial background they come from. So let's just say that she's mid twenties and of a certain Asian descent, uh, Somewhere in the Pacific, you know, South Southeast Pacific, South Southeast Asia, that area, okay? Around that area. I'm not sure if that is the Pacific Ocean, actually. But Southeast Asia, okay? There we go. I don't know why I threw in Pacific there. Just think about Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, it's a deep Seinfeld reference. Anyways, hashtag Newman. <laughs> okay, anyways, moving on. He is about 10 years older than her. He's mid-30s. Also of an Asian descent, but pretty whitewashed at the same time, I would say. Like he he's, he's like one of my other clients. Like he looks Asian, but is doesn't sound Asian, has a pretty Western accent type thing. I can't say the same for her. I don't obviously don't know that about her. He also finished with one more question, which was Oh, well, maybe I should hold that question. I'll say it now, but we won't address it now. He was also saying, could you also address this? It's made me think about whether I should have most of my dates around where I live because she lives close to me, the three-monther. So in future, when I'm seeing a girl that lives in my area, I'm thinking I don't want to take the risk of this happening again in case I keep seeing a girl that lives near me, uh, which is a shame because I can easily take my dates back to my place, have good logistics. So 
and his area is very good for the type of women that he likes to meet. So we're not going to address that now, but it's a good question and we'll get to it towards the end. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's go. There's a lot of shit to dive into. But you guys are going, but Adam, what about the text messages? Chill out, mate. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I just need some water, okay? And we need to, okay, yeah, we'll get to the text messages, then we'll sum up the whole entire situation and we'll break it down piece by piece, red flag by red flag, because this is uh, a tremendous situation. It it should never have been a tremendous situation, though. Like, I'm having a lot of fun with this at the beginning, but there's so many mistakes made in this story from both ends, majority from him, but from both ends for sure. Okay, so... I said there was absolute fireworks, absolute barbecue breakdown is in the text messages. Here are the text messages. For context, just remember, two, three weeks ago, after being together for roughly three months, sexual relationship, they had had sex the day before. They had sex a couple of times in between, realizing that having an indirect conversation about not being exclusive. And then, yeah, had sex the day before. He's in the train station. He's walking over with an, I think it was the first date. Is that what he said? Let me just get back. Let me just get clarity on that. I don't like to make shit up. Yes, it was. My mind is good. Memory is good. He said he was on a first date with another girl that were holding hands. So it sounded like things going well. It sounded like things going well with this uh, first date. It's a norm, it's, he's not doing anything wrong at this point, considering that they're not in an exclusive relationship. At least on the surface level. At least on the surface level, he shouldn't have any reason to be thinking, like looking over his shoulder or anything. You know, it's like he's not an exclusive relationship. There's a lot of problems with that later on. We'll get to as to how the relationship was set up. But for now, for now, walking through the train station on a first date, holding a hand, the girl that he's been seeing, three month we'll just call her three month has been, that's a weird name to call a girl though. Let's, uh, let's give her a real name. Well, obviously a fake real name, but... Let's call her fake name Jenna. We'll call her fake name Jenna. Okay, so Jenna, the three-monther, walks down the train station. They obviously make eye contact because they recognize the situation, but then they obviously break eye contact and they obviously don't hold it as they walk by each other. They recognize the awkwardness of the situation. Nothing was said. Nothing was addressed. Oh, and this is perfect as well because later on in this podcast, I want to give you a couple of my own real-world examples, a couple of my own real-world stories. We'll say that right now uh, to give you guys some contrast on how this should be done or how this should be handled. So, but they make no contact. Okay, here's where the text messages come in. Two to three hours, I believe he said. Let me get that. Let me get that. 30 minutes, I was wrong. Not even, not even two to three hours. 30 minutes after this train station awkward situation of him walking with the first day and then the girl he's been seeing for three months walks by, he sends this text to her. Let's talk. And I can see the timestamp on it. It was 10 p.m. at night. Basically 10 p.m. at night. He says, let's talk. That's all it says. It's two words. Let's talk. All the texting before that had just been funny memes. It was all fun. It was all fun before that. So, so just please, please just put that into your minds. Please run through the store in your mind there. Hold that. In the train station, first day of a girl, holding her hand. Feel it. Be there. The girl you've been seeing for three months walks by, fake name Jenna walks by. She says nothing. You say nothing. You guys make no con- eye contact whatsoever to at least acknowledge each other. And then, but you obviously sent something is wrong. And then the first text you sent to her 30 minutes after that is just two words. Let's talk. 
huge problems, like massive red flags, massive red flags. That is certainly not how you open up that conversation. That is that ha- that's essentially lighting the fuse to this situation. Now, listen, I, I got to stop this. We're breaking it down as I'm telling it. Let me just tell the full story, and then we'll break it down. So he sends, "Let's talk." <clears throat> Maybe three, four hours later, like literally first thing in the morning, I believe, unless it's not, I'm not sure if it's 24 hour time here. I think it is 24 hour time. So I don't know. The next day, let's just say the next day, uh, she responds by saying after his let's talk, I'm not interested in talking. I just have a couple of points I need clarification on. Number one, how many people have you been seeing? Number two, have you been tested recently as I did not consent to being exposed to multiple sexual partners? Let me know at your earliest convenience and good luck with your job interview. Full stop. Volcanoes. <laughs> Shit's hitting the fan. All right. And when I say point one and point two, it's like literally like number one dot, number two dot. Like it's like a PDF type. It's very, very professionally written. I'll say that. He responds. No, it was literally four hours later because now I'm looking at the timestamp. So she literally responded at 1.30 in the morning to that by saying that. Okay. Okay. So that even makes even more sense. Like why I was so emotional. Like that, that's a really, okay, no, let's not break it down. Let's not break it down. Okay. So she sends that text. He responds later that day by saying, well, the next day, I have no STIs or STDs. I'm so sorry for this to end like this. Thank you so much for everything that you did for both of us. Thank you so much for how much you taught me about myself how much you allowed me to grow within your presence. And we had amazing times for sure. But now that time's done. And I want you to move forward and I want to move forward. So I'll let it be. That's the end of the text. I, I have to hold my tongue here. This, let's just move on. She responds. Oh, don't worry, we're coming back. But for now, we'll move on. She responded by saying, Don't thank me for treating you the way any decent human being would when you obviously didn't have the courtesy to treat me the same. You weren't honest with me and even now, you're avoiding my questions and not giving me direct answers. I don't know what you were trying to accomplish here, but for a 34-year-old man, you're just a disappointment and I regret ever meeting you. Full stop. Shit. <laughs> barbecue breakdown. Absolute barbecue breakdown. What are, for those who aren't originals of this podcast, what am I saying, buddy bread? I'm saying just just a complete implosion of social dynamics from really from both ends. She's right. He he didn't answer questions. He did do a lot of disappointing things, a lot of disappointing behaviors. And at the same time though, it's the uh the way that she's phrasing what she's saying is also not coming from a great place. There are so many better ways that she could be saying what she's attempting to say. So it's just a shit show from both ends. There's so much and there's reasons for all of it. I'm not I'm not actually judging the shit show from either ends. There's it's just a lack of education on both ends. It's a lack of experience, it's a lack of empathy, it's a lack of wanting to bring about a harmonious result. Yeah. <sighs> So let's get a summary here. Let's get a summary on the, get the situation. Let's get the situation in one nice little neat row, get all our ducks in a row, and then we will break it down red flag by red flag. And there's so much here to tag into. I might actually jot down a few notes as we're writing the podcast. You guys know I don't really do notes for podcasts. 
well, unless there's like tons and tons of separate stories I have to remember to mention. But I haven't got any notes for today. I've just gone off this. But there's a couple of things that I definitely want to get. We've got to answer his message at the end. We've got to answer the meeting girls uh, around your area. We'll answer that. I want to give some own stories. But we're going to. But the main chunk is going to be breaking down the, the red flags of this story. How else how did you two meet? He said they met through cold approach as well. So this was a cold interaction. That's even more critical to note because, listen, my friends, he's a uh, 30, 34, mid-30s uh, gentleman in a Western country, Asian descent, but speaks fluent English and seems pretty whitewashed in a sense. And met her through cold approach. She's 10 years younger, 10 years younger. She's mid, mid-20s. She's of Asian descent. Not going to say which particular Asian descent. Uh, and they've been in a sexual relationship. Open, well, well, this is the thing. This is where the red flag is going to start to begin because the, one of the first things you guys can probably sense that I didn't, you sense my hesitation or my willingness to want to bring this up was that they had been in an open and free... Well, stop, stop, stop. Not open and free, though. I keep wanting to say that. They've been in a relationship for two, somewhere between two to three months, but it was not until two to three weeks ago that they had had something of a discussion about where they're at. Now, let's just nail that out of the park right now. Why did it take you... And this is me speaking to him now, call him X... Why did it take you, X, that long to have an indirect discussion about where you guys were at in terms of relationship? If you guys know anything of my content around open and free relationships and set down casual relationships, which I have inordinate numbers of hours of content on this channel, so many times we have been over, there are so many podcasts you can go to, if not direct podcasts on open relationships, but even just within the social Q&As, just answering questions within social Q&As, just bolder Joe clips, just little clip sections on open and free relationships, just setting up the T's and C's of an open and free relationship. My first question, because it's the biggest red flag, because none of, none of this had to happen. None of this had to happen if the relationship was set up properly from the beginning. Key principle number one, in terms of what's the timing? In fact, I was just working with a client earlier this week who came to me saying that well we were break we did had a regular session but within the regular session he brought up that there was one girl he was seeing and they had sex and he's thinking about okay so let me just go through a run through can we go through a role play of how to go through the talk and is this the right timing i'm like yep absolutely let's do this so but he's got the first principle underway which is that okay first time after seeing her in terms of first or first seeing her after your first sexual experience, we need to have the talk, a direct talk, an open discussion about what we are, where we're going in life, what I want from my sexual experiences, what I want to experience in my relationship dynamics, and what I want, and want to hear that from you as well. I want to know where you're at in terms of your sexual exploration, your social dynamics, in terms of what you're looking for out of relationships right now, and then what that would look like together. Right, so the talk, everything I just described is what I refer to as the talk, the talk. But the talk must happen no later, no later than after the first sexual experience. Now, that's a general principle, right? Why is this? Because it's like, so that this doesn't happen, so that this story doesn't happen. That's why this story is so pivotal and so fundamental in what not to do because this is what happens 
If you don't have open lines of communication, if you're not direct, congruent, and authentic with the person in front of you, especially if you're not exercising the empathy for them, there's such a lack of empathy in the story. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But, 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 coming back to the first, coming back to that point, at the latest, you should pass the first sexual experience. There should be no delay. It's like the next time you see each other, you're having the talk. Now, the question comes up, and I was dealing with this with my client over this week. How serious does the talk need to be? Like, does it need to be have a really choreographed or very intentful setup? As in, I need to text her saying, okay, listen, Jenna, I think we really need to talk about where we're at in terms of our relationship. Does this work best for you, Friday, Saturday? Like, does it need to be that intense? Or can we kind of just, you know, just chill and then just kind of just bring it up on the fly? And the way that it comes is that, well, let's look at a balance of two things. Let's look at a balance of the intensity of your sexual experience together with also the level of a preceded attachment. You're always juggling these two elements when thinking about how cautious to approach the talk. And this is where racial background, attachment, sexual experience starts to come in. For example, if you have someone who in general has a lot of sexual experience, in general seems to be pretty go with the flow, pretty chill, and doesn't seem to be pretty hung, doesn't seem to be hung up on much of this type of stuff and seems like they would handle be okay with you just chilling through the park and just mentioning, hey, listen, now's probably a good time if we just talk about, you know, where we're at in our lives. Has low levels of preceded attachment and has relatively higher levels of sexual experience. That makes for a good situation in which that one could comfortably deem, I I can probably just put this on the fly. Like we not delay it, but just on the fly. Like I don't need to send her a text three days beforehand saying we need to have the talk, right? You could just have the talk as the next time you see each other. But make no mistake, it still needs to be after the first sexual experience. You do not delay this out. You do not delay this out because even with girls that present, or not even just girls, this applies to guys as well if you're a girl listening to this, with human beings that present with that mixture that I just gave you of low preceded levels of attachment, but high or relatively higher levels of sexual experience. And you guys might be thinking, what do you mean by high levels of sexual experience relative to their attachment. So it's like, I'm not saying they have to be, you know, absolute swingers. What I'm saying is that, you know, are they virgins or have they had a few partners? And that's often, you know, you see a, with people that have had a multitude of sexual experience, it is often correlated with lower levels of attachment because in order to have a multitude of sexual experience, you have to come to peace within yourself at some point that you don't own other human beings that you are not attached to these human beings and that whether it's for a night, for a week, for a month, for a year, you know, people are as they are and people need what they need when they need it. So if we have a month tonight, if we have a month tonight, if we have a year tonight, whatever this first inception leads on to, it's okay and I'll let it be. This too shall pass. You know, these type of mentalities often come hand in hand in imbalance and correlation in terms of high levels of sexual experience and low levels of attachment. So we're just talking about relative there. And you see the reverse. And you see the reverse. People with very low levels of sexual experience often have much higher levels of preceded attachment in which that because they have not practiced and been forced to face the fire of their own demons, their attachment demons. You know, you don't really know how attached you can be how attached you can be to someone until you put yourself in the position of having to let them go until openly and willingly inviting the possibility that someone else might be with them tonight 
or for tomorrow or for the next week. You know, that's why I have such benefit to doing that. Now, it's not to me, not me saying that you have to live in that and that's your prescription for the rest of life. Absolutely not. Like There are benefits and uses to all modalities of relationship styles. Polygamy, monogamy, right? communal parenting, whatever you want to look at. There's uses to them all. They must be used though as tools and applied in the correct circumstance that always provides the best opportunity for learning. Provide what is most opportune. So I said, the number one relationship style is the most opportune. What do you need right now? Do you need a partner for the next 10, 20 years because that aligns with your goals? Do you need someone? Actually, do you need multiple partners over the next six, 12 months because your goals are learning about other human beings? You know, What's most opportune? That's what we're looking at, our relationship styles. Do not get bogged down on which one's better than the other. It's not really about that. It's what which one's best for you right now. Because you may be a 21-year-old that knows nothing of sexual experience, knows nothing of other human beings. And so the most opportune relationship style for you is most likely going to be an open and free style, a polygamous style that allows you to experience many different people in relation to yourself. Learning, always being the key intent. Learning, so that you may provide the very best of yourself in time. I digress. All that's going on there is the balance of preceded attachments and sexual experience. So we keep that in mind. We keep that in mind. Now, coming back, going right back up. As you guys know, these podcasts, we always bamboo shoot. I love to go into different bamboo shoots, but we'll come back to the main log at the beginning, which is what I said. Okay. It's important to understand her levels of sexual experience to understand where she's coming from to explain why she reacted the way she did and why his mistakes were not overlooked so easily as maybe they would have been with a different woman. Ah. Not every woman's going to react this way. Like the mistakes, uh, <laughs> this is perfect. This is a kanpeki dana. You know what's so perfect about this is that in the last podcast, for those that watched the last uh, last month's podcast, the last one, last episode we did, I mentioned this particular anecdote of the bombs that don't go off when it comes to beginners of social dynamics. It's amazing. I was saying how it's amazing how so many bombs don't go off, like mistakes that should be detrimental and actually have tremendous impact on these interactions but for some reason the girl just let it slide or she didn't notice or whatever reason there was something else but then this is one of those situations where a bomb did go off and it happened to be an a-bomb because of where it landed because the woman the bomb the the bomb the woman landed on was so primed to having an adverse reaction to it because of her set point now let's get back to this so so, I don't know your levels of sexual experience. I don't know your levels of sexual experience, but there's one thing that I can say, because I, I, I did ask for some context on, well, it was said indirectly. I just want to get the specific mention of why I know this, or why I'm very, very clear on this. Or well, if it doesn't come up now, it's going to definitely come up later. Okay, so we might just pause that for a second, but I think it's pretty safe to say. I think it's more about what how she reacts later on, which is what gives me that vibe. But it's safe to say for now that I would say that she has very little sexual experience. I, when I say little, I'm saying no more than three sexual partners. And I think that would be a stretch as well. I think that would be the top end. I wouldn't be surprised if she's only had one sexual partner previous to this guy. I would not be surprised. I'd be surprised if she said she was a virgin. 
just because of how she reacted to that indirect conversation that they had. But okay, I'm, so I'm just going to say very low sexual experience. So let's go right back. Let's go back up to the top. Oh no, no, we need to finish. We need to finish the point on his first mistake, which was why didn't he have the direct talk? Why didn't number one? Why didn't he have the direct talk? And number two, why was the indirect version of that talk happening so late? As you're listening to this ex, none of this had to happen. Her reaction to you, her calling you a disappointment of a man, and now having her trust and faith in the masculine energy completely sabotaged and broken, and now have to go through a tremendous repair process as a result of that, never had to happen if you had said to her after your first sexual experience, hey, listen, Jenna, it's really great meeting you and having a great time with you the other night, but I feel like we just need to get some clarity on where we're at together, you know, talk about it. And then so you sit down on the rug and chill or on the out down on the park or down by the river and you say, oh, listen, so this is where I'm at. So let me, let me give you a rehash right now, just for those who are unclued and for the literal 9,000th time I've said in my content over the last six years, how we run through an open and free discussion to setting up an open and free relationship, to setting up a polygamous style relationship in which that you're going to be able to see many people and so is she. So part one, part one, depending on, that's why we went into the balance of preceding attachment to sexual experience. If you've got someone who is on that end of high levels, potential high levels at least of attachment and very low levels of sexual experience, you want to be a little more cautious with them. Here we are. Now we're back home. We're now back on the road. So you'll be a little more cautious of that type of girl. I, and that's that's the type of girl that I think we're dealing with here. I am not going to just do as I said with my other client who was with a girl who was pretty savvy, pretty sexually experienced, and just seemed pretty go with the flow. In which that you can kind of just bring it up while you're chilling one day. Now, not just one day, but just chilling. Chilling on your next time together. I'm not going to do that with this girl. With this girl... I'm going to make a more concerted effort to let her know that I'm actually going out of my way here to make sure that you're taken care of. That is what being cautious to a degree of just saying, and what does that look like? Just a quick, so let's say they had sex Saturday night. Next morning, Sunday morning, she's likely going to text him as is the balance between feminine and masculine energy in which that if a feminine is approving of the masculine behavior, she will often send a linger effect in the form of, hey, thanks for last night. It's really good, good seeing you last night. We had a great time, et cetera. Or what are you up to today? You know, there's going to be a message there the next day or the day after or something like that. Close to that. So in response to that, yep, acknowledge it and then say, hey, listen, I feel like just before we progress on, let's just talk about us. That's it. Let's just talk about us. Does Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, what day suits you best for just to, you know, grab a quick coffee. Now we're going to set it up in a neutral environment. We're going to set it up in an environment that is not emotionally charged. It's not going to be my bed or her bed or her mum's bed, right? It's going to be, yeah, out in the out in the botanics, out in the bloody river, down by the beach, okay? Somewhere uh, pretty low-key in terms of the energetic noise. Don't want a lot of people around. Don't want a lot of loud noise around. Want to be pretty low-key. Setting up the environment is the stage we're calling right now. And also not just setting up the environment of literally, physically, logistically where you're going to be, but also setting up the environment psychologically that we've already clued her in that this is going to be an important discussion, that it's, oh, we need to talk about us. I am going to send that text for a girl that I sense, if off the bat, if I can sense that she has low levels of sexual experience and has the potential. Because remember, he didn't do this. He didn't do this at all. But when he did kind of do it, which was the indirect version, it was way too late. It was at least two months into their relationship, effectively. 
after already having had sex multiple times. So he's already just... So before we even get really hard onto that, so this is going way back in the storyline. This should have happened. This conversation, this talk should have happened way, way before this, months before this. It should have happened weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks before this. Effectively, I don't know when they had their first sexual experience after the first date. I don't even know if they had if their first sexual experience was on the first day. Very well could have been. Whatever the case was, this talk should have happened the literal next time they saw each other after having sex, without a doubt. Now, some people have said, some people often come back at me and say, uh, oh, we're going to get off on a bit of a tangent here. Okay, let me just say this really quickly, just for those of you wondering, because I have said this before and I won't go super deep into it. What, what Some of you might be thinking, but why don't you have the talk before the sexual experience? Listen, generally speaking, stipulating that type of framework in between an organic human sexual connection is the last thing you want to do, right? To, to get a written permission slip to say okay yes we can have sex together or to say yes you'll be my boyfriend yes you'll be my girlfriend yes we'll be in a relationship now we can have sex together it's an affront to human connection it it literally i was gonna say confounds it disrupts it's there's a different word i'm looking for there's a far more the words is a weightier word it deforms. It deforms the relationship when you add that framework and that structure before testing the sexual energy because the sexual energy will never be organic and pure after that. If you say to someone, hey, listen, I'm not going to have sex with you until you agree to be my boyfriend, well, then you've just corrupted. There we go. Corrupted. You corrupted the connection between you two because now it's no longer just a sexual connection for the sake of the sexual connection. Now it's predicated on a social stipulation, a social framework. And then if you were to say, hey, listen, if you want to be my sugar daddy, now you can have sex with me. Now we're looking at a financial stipulation. It's all just corrupting what should have been an organic human sexual connection between you two. Same thing goes for having a discussion about whether you're going to be open and free or monogamous pre-sex. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like why you would do that. Now, no, 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 no. So you go, but Adam, I feel like you've said something in the opposite before. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous if you are doing it in a general space of which that neither of you have presented with any glaring red flags of preceded attachment or other psychological conditioning. In the event that you are faced with someone who off the bat, you can just tell, okay, this person not only has very low sexual experience, but he's just She's even on the first date, she's clinging on to me. Like she is already talking about what we're going to be doing at Christmas together. She's already talking about how she wants to introduce me to her friends and family. And we're on the first date. Like you can sense that, like just magnet. She's just absolutely uh, fascinated, infatuated with you. Well, then there, we're going to need to exercise a little social savviness, a little nuance, and say that it probably would not be a good idea to go and have a sexual experience with her, even if it's just one, without having a conversation about what she expects, what she's looking to achieve out of this relationship. And I know it flies directly in the face. It spits in the face of what I just said. But Adam, won't that corrupt the organic sexual connection you just spoke of? Yes, it will. However, we are making a, we are making a judgment call for the good of the relationship in totality. The reason why I laugh there is because it's actually the same argument for what most societies are doing around COVID right now, 
which I am not going to get into because I want today to be about social dynamics. Don't get me started, bro. Let me just open up this window. get in the politics of it right now we spent all last all last episode with you want politics on covid that was last episode it was literally every it was entirely about dating and covid so listen i love the space because today we're keeping the space just purely to social dynamics no politics today so <clears throat> but i am exercising when we're saying when we meet a girl or we meet anyone that is presenting with some pretty intense red flags off the bat that, okay, this looks like it could potentially be a problem that if we were to even have one sexual experience, that it would only 10x, 100x, 9,000x her level of attachment to me, even if it was just one sexual experience, even if I was just to kiss her. Well, hang on a second. Do you think that's the best idea to do that without getting clarity on not only where she wants to go, but also so she knows where I want to go. Because she may be thinking Disney Princess, and I may be thinking Jungle, rolling off into Jungle Book, right? Just foraying into all types of experiences. Going to play with the snake, going to play with the tiger, going to play with the elephants. You know, I'm going to experience everything here. Got to man cub my way through these monkeys. If you're Jungle Booking and she's Disney Princessing, there's going to be some problems. Like There's going to be an absolute meltdown. And that's actually what we saw in the story here. So, so I'm going through principles right now in general. So, this is what he should have done. In my opinion, in my... Whoa, 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 hang on a second. I don't know her well enough to make that judgment call for him. However, I am just adding it in there that as he's listening to this as an educational point for him, if he can reflect on this experience and go, well, did she show high levels of attachment beforehand? Like I said, I gave you some examples. Was she already future projecting before we had sex? Right, he should have been looking at this to begin with, or at least should have been aware of its potentiality or its presence. Was she project, uh, future projecting? Was she showing levels of over-texting? Was she over-texting? Was she a little too inclined to respond a little too quickly, a little too intense of trying to get out onto the next date, trying to, you know, not really giving you your space? Any, these are just all various faces of red flags that would give you signs to someone's levels of attachment. Want to check that. Now, I can't say that was the case at all for him or for him or her, but it just goes to say, because I just had to give the nuance, general principle, just to summarize this, general principle, we do not need to have the talk pre-sex, corrupts the sexual connection. However, in the situation in which that it would actually be worse if we did that because of what we know prior to having the sexual connection about her preset to attachment, definitely address it first. Okay. And this is social dynamics, my friends. Human beings are complicated. Human beings are varying. Human beings are wide-ranging in their sexual nature. So it's very important to not make blanket statements or general broad brushes when dealing with things. There's always going to be a nuance. There's always going to be some... Uh, it's a high-fidelity situation. You know, human, human social dynamics in general is high-fidelity. This is not baking cookies here, right? This is... This is a five-course... <laughs> this is a, this is a five-course extravaganza right now. So... <laughs> so let's get back to it. Let's get that. We've, that we've tacked that up. So let's get back onto the play of this particular shit show of a situation. The first and ultimate mistake he made was by not having the direct talk. I say that with emphasis, direct talk by saying, Oh yeah. yeah. So, so that's where we're in. That's where we're in. We're going through that. We didn't finish that. So, with this girl, I can say I can say this for sure now, but this is in retro. 
hopefully, I mean, once you just get practice enough with social dynamics, you should be able to make these decisions pretty easily, like in the moment. But we know for now, uh, sorry, we know now for sure that in retro, he definitely should have been a little bit more cautious with her as to how much she's overreacted. Like that, that doesn't just happen. A girl doesn't just send a text message saying, how many people have you been seeing? Have you been tested recently? I did not consent to be exposed to multiple sexual partners. Let me know your earliest convenience, you know, and just, and just smashed him after that. A girl does not just flip like that. She would have shown signs that would have led you to know that, okay, I need to be a little more cautious with this girl earlier on. That's, yeah. And you know what's interesting? Some of you might say, and I've already given you a lot of those signs in terms of attachment signs, but actually it can actually go in the completely, uh, well, it's not the opposite, but a lot of those signs are often just too readiness, just being too ready. So why he didn't have this conversation with her at the beginning and in terms of setting up the environment, psychologically and logistically, that, okay, let's just talk about us. I have no idea. Because literally this entire story, we would not be making this podcast right now if he had done this. If he just said after their first sexual experience, let's talk about us, then he goes into the talk. Now, I said I'll, I'll finish this up. So the principle of the talk, the first thing he's going to start off with is number one, by acknowledging her and just to get her emotionally on side, which is that, hey, listen, this is what I appreciate about you. I appreciate that you're this fun loving girl. I appreciate that you're into the same kind of things as me, et cetera, whatever the things that you like about her, right? The things that you appreciate about her just gets her emotionally on side. Then after that, we're going to set up the T's and C's of the conversation of the talk, which is that first and foremost, please let me finish. Let me fully expand on what I need to say first. And then I want to hear the same from you. All right, just so that we don't, don't interrupt each other, just so that there's no assumptions made or we don't jump to conclusions. Let's let uh let's let us let us say our piece, okay? Can we agree to that? Okay, she agrees to that, no worries. Uninterrupted conversation, let's go. From there, we go into the principles of number one, you need to explain in absolutely explicit, direct nature what it is you are looking to achieve in the relationship space. You can also you can go macro and micro. You can talk about it not only in terms of your life in general, but also with her, for sure. So what's that going to sound like? Well, based on what this guy is doing, if he's saying, I don't know his reasons for doing it, but he's definitely pursuing open relationships. So the way that's going to sound is that, listen, at this stage in time, and of course, don't just have this word for word, you do your own version, but you know, at this stage in time, I'm just looking to learn about myself in relation to others, which means that I need to be open and free to explore with other human beings and to really just, just keep learning. And yeah, that does mean... Uh, seeing other people and at the same time as I'm with you I want you to have that freedom as well it's just that I want to be free and now I'm moving to the second part I said what does that look like for you well it looks like is that I want you to be free to see whoever you want to see as well I want you to be free to learn about other people as well and that when we do spend time together we get all of each other you know we won't spend a lot of time together but when we do you know you get all of me and that's that's where I'm at right now at the same time if you were down for this type of relationship, you know, that would be amazing and I'd love to have you be along the journey with me and we can learn together and be on this journey together. But if at any point it never sat well with you, I want to know immediately. So this is always reviewable, right? It's always reviewable. If, if, you, if you agree now, you're like, okay, it sounds good now, but in three months' time, three weeks' time, it's not for you, just let me know straight away. You have to let me know straight away so that then we can talk about it and because maybe I was feeling the same thing, but we never want to harbor, this, harbor these feelings, so... Uh, just because you agree to it now, or if you don't disagree to it now, you can always come back. We can always talk about it, okay? It's always an open door. You set up these principles in your position of the talk, 
I feel like I'm. I feel like there's one that I'm forgetting though. If I if I am, I'm. It's it's. Uh, we can come back to it a little bit later. I'm I'm talking about more macros in a second. We'll talk to micros as to if she actually agrees to it because we'll talk about that in a second. But those are the general macro principles. Basically, what your intent is, what you're looking to achieve, what it looks like for her, what it looks like for you to do it, you two together, what it looks like in terms of the review process as well. If it doesn't work out later on, that's basically everything you need to get into from your side. Then you shut the hell up. Shut the hell up and let her give her feedback. You don't interrupt at all. You let her express everything. When she feels like she's expressed everything, you ask again, is there anything more? She might come back with, okay, listen, I don't really know what that means. I've never been in an open free relationship. You know, what is that? And she might have questions. And yeah, feel free to answer questions. But I would also be cautious to just steer her into making sure she tells you where she wants to be and what she wants to achieve in the relationship space. She might ask a lot of questions, but it's like, okay, you answer the questions for sure. Like she might say, well, does that mean, so does that mean you want to have sex with other people? You say, yes. Like you're going to have to answer that question directly. If she asks it, yes, of course. Always being direct. Always being congruent, always being authentic. Answer it point blank. But always remember the point of this is to really understand what where what she wants out of these relationships. And most girls will go to that uh, directly. And they'll say, ah, oh, well, listen, I was really just looking to see one person. I was really just kind of looking to, you know, maybe find a boyfriend or, you know, settle down. I'm starting to, at that stage of life where I'm thinking about having kids. And, you know, that's the type of thing that I'm in right now. My friends are all about that. So, and so she's giving you intent and she's giving you where she's at. Let her just keep expressing, keep expressing. She might say that maybe it's not even, that's like a, you might perceive that as a red in terms of she's not down for your style of relationship. She might give you a yellow in terms of like, maybe need some time to think about it. And uh, that's the other thing is that you don't have to make a decision right now. Is that, listen, whatever you feel like right now, don't have to make a decision right now. Come back to me in a couple of weeks. Take a couple of weeks. Think about it. There's no pressure. Never will be. All right? Always want to give her that air, give her that vibe. And then you might get a complete green. And so saying, yeah, actually, that's exactly what I was looking for. And you'd be so surprised how many times this happens where she's like, actually, that's so relieving. So many times girls will say, that's so relieving because, you know, I just got out of this really clingy, attached relationship. And that's all I'm really looking for is just for some casual sexual uh, fun and some, some fan dangling, some experience here. So thank you very much for voicing that. And thank you so much for being direct and and authentic. Hear that a lot of times as well. Thanks for being so upfront. Hear that a lot as well. Not for guys like this with me. Hear that a lot as well. Ah. So, so that is the principles of the talk. That is the talk. Very simply, to state what you're looking to achieve in the relationship space and to hear that from her as well. If it does result in a green light, then you can go into the T's and C's on the micro. Or if it's a yellow. Or, you know, sometimes it's even a red. Whatever the situation, sometimes you get reds and they come back in two weeks and flip. That happens a lot of times. Sometimes, like sometimes they'll say, no, nah, I'm definitely not down. And you say, that's cool. Enjoy hanging out for the rest of the afternoon. And then you won't see her for another few weeks. And then you get a text saying, hey, listen, I've had some time to think about it. Actually, do you, can we have another talk about that, you know, open relationship thing you talked about? That happens a lot as well. People change their minds. That's when you can go into the micro discussion of what the open and free relationship actually looks like. Because you don't want to overwhelm her or overwhelm a person who's never really gone into that discussion before and kind of get them lost in the weeds with it. Because what you want to discuss first is just the general principles, which is what we've just talked about, the intent of it. But let's say that they're open to it, then we can definitely go into that and what the micros look like. Now, the way that I sum up the micros of the open free relationship in a nutshell is in this analogy of the worlds and the moon, okay? Okay. So I have my world, she has her world. 
and I'm speaking of this, I'll change this, I'll flip this to the first perspective. If she asked me, okay, can you talk to me about what does this open and free relationship actually look like? Now, listen, my friends, what if she's not that explicit about it? What if she doesn't even ask you, you know, what is the actual mechanics of this relationship? Like, how does it actually work? You have to be the one to take the onus to state it, to make sure it's out in the open, that this is how it's going to run. You cannot just fly by in this relationship expecting or assuming that she knows how an open and free relationship works. You both need to be on the same level, 100% clarity about what's expected of each other. Otherwise, you get what happened in this story. Otherwise, you get a complete misalignment of what was expected. So we're going into the micros. The micro is very simply back in the world analogy. I always started off with this. I have my world. You have your world. Every now and again, we'll meet each other on the moon. And when we're on the moon, we'll get all of each other. But when we go back to our own worlds, there's no ropes connected. I don't connect with your world. You don't connect to my world. What does that mean? We don't meet each other's friends or family or go to social events with each other. Right? We don't go to special events like birthdays and all that, all that jazz. It's really our relationship is about us. It's not because I don't like your friends. It's not because I don't want to meet your family. Actually, I kind of do. It's more because I want this relationship to be kept purely about us. Because if we're not spending that much time together and we're going to be seeing other people, it's going to make it very difficult for us to live our lives if we're constantly thinking about each other, constantly got hooks, or constantly got ropes connected to the other's world. If I know your mom and I see your mom down at the supermarket every Saturday and I'm only supposed to be, you know, and, and I see your brother at the gym every week and, and then all of a sudden you go into the same campus and I meet your friends at the same campus. Now it's like I've got three different ropes to your world and even though I'm only really supposed to be seeing you or thinking about you, you know, once a, mo- uh, once a week, four times a month at max, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, you know, it's basically a, we're breaking that rule because I'm thinking about you so much and I'm, we're connected. I'm seeing you in so many different ways, just vicariously through your brother, through your mother, through your friends on uni campus. So it really breaks what an open free relationship is, which is supposed to be just about you and I when we see each other. That's it, which allows us the freedom to go and learn with other people. Because how are you able to learn with another person if you're thinking about the other person? If I'm thinking about you, Jenna, while I'm supposed to be with Stacey, and if you're thinking about me while you're with Peter, it's, it's just not going to work. So we're going to do our best to keep our world separate. And the only reason why this makes a sense and why this actually works is because when we actually get to the moon, when we meet each other on the moon, we get all of each other. It's not going to happen very frequently either. You know, once a week at maximum. So now we're setting up in terms of frequency of meeting each other. You know, we see each other once a week maximum, you know, maybe once every couple of second weeks. Uh, every now and again and but when we do you're not going to have me on my phone i'm not going to be on instagram i'm not going to be taking calls from different girls or from my family members or etc unless it's an emergency of course but you know in generally speaking i'm not just going to be texting my brother what i have for lunch i'm going to be with you and you can get all of me and that's what makes it special we're going to learn about each other when we are together when we're on the moon we get all of each other that is the only reason why anyone in general would sign up to an open free relationship when done correctly, because it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. It's one of the very things that I describe as intensity of experience in which that in a monogamous relationship over a long period of time, you trade off intensity of experience for security of experience. You trade off the intensity of this wild, incredible day or night that lasts eight, 12 hours in which that you go through this absolute fairy tale, emotional, 
creature of an experience in which it's just all the different markers of chemical release. It turns uh, just the oxytocin, the dopamine, everything going off in your brain and just the feel-goodness. It's just crazy because you've just dedicated yourself to this one person for this one day and you just don't do it very often. It's incredible. But there's no security in that because you're only going to be seeing them once a week maximum. You're not going to get a lot of it. But when you do get it, it's fucking amazing. It blows your head. But in versus contrast to a monogamous relationship, if we called that, by the way, the moon experience, a 10 out of 10 of intensity of experience. It is. But in terms of security of that experience, it's like a two or three. It it doesn't happen very often. Very low security. But on a monogamous relationship, you have peak moments that will reach those 10 out of 10 moments. Say, getting your first dog together, moving in together, getting married, right? Going out onto a, or celebrating a certain achievement with each other, uh, going through a tremendously difficult experience together, traveling together to a foreign place for the first time. You know, you're getting these peak moments, but they don't happen very frequently. The average of intensity of experience in a monogamous relationship, once you get past the honeymoon period, is going to settle down at roughly five to six midway in a good one. In a good relationship, you know, it should be a, an enjoyable experience. That is, it's good, yeah, but it's not blowing your fucking mind every single day. You know, that's not what's happening in a monogamous relationship that spans years. In a, in a good one as well, because it's not sustainable. You can't sustain a 10 out of 10 intensity of experience for years upon years as you can in 8 to 12 hours. Now, what do you get with that instead? So if you get a reduced intensity of experience in a monogamous relationship, what do you get in favor? You get an increase in security of experience in which that, even though it's less, that 5 to 6, you get that 5 to 6 every day. And you know it's going to be there for you every day. And there also will be peak moments. There'll be very low moments as well, but there will also be peak moments. And so, But it's a, it's a secured experience at least. So that's, uh, this is how we're on a podcast right now. So of course, I'm not going to go into that breakdown with a girl in the moment, but you know, like I said, we bamboo shoot, I'll explain things and we'll dive back up. So where were we with that? Explaining the worlds to her, explaining the micros of how the open and free works. So all I've really, the short version of that is that, yeah, we're talking about how often we're going to see each other, which is really maximum once a week, you know, some weeks, maybe once every fortnight. Yeah, but when we see each other, we get all of each other, okay? In terms of connection to our worlds, in terms of connection with family, friend, family, friends, social events, not happening at all, or to the absolute minimum of minimum. Like, obviously, you can't control life. Sometimes you're just going to bump into all of her friends. But she shouldn't be, and you shouldn't be, trying to use that as an opportunity to slip one in and try to just fucking drown them in your friends if you happen to be there or drown them with your family if you happen to be there. You know, it's like you can acknowledge that, hey, this is... uh, Now, here's a good question. Some people say, but do I refer to them as my partner? Well, listen, in the moment, it's more than enough just to say, hey, this is Adam. Hey, this is Jenna. Mom, meet Adam. Hey, mom, meet Peter. But... Later on afterwards, you can explain the nuance of your relationship. You don't have to do it in that moment though, right? But are they a partner? I wouldn't say they're a partner. I would say there's someone you're seeing. That's probably the best way of putting it. Someone I'm seeing, right? Someone I'm seeing. Someone I'm dating. Someone I'm seeing, okay? That's really the extent. I wouldn't call them a partner because partner has far too much more of an exclusive nature to it. Okay. 
And uh, okay, and the final thing we need to talk about there is not only the frequency of seeing each other, but also the connection to friends, family, social events, but also the frequency of communication and the nature of communication with our open and free person. Logistics primarily. Logistics primarily, and it should be under the guise of leading us to the next time we see each other. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, logistics. That when we do message each other, like we're not on phone calls all night, every night. I'm not sending her video messages, memes, audio messages every day. You know, I check in with her once or twice a week. Check in with her once or twice a week. And for the most part, it's pretty much just going to be to set up for the next time we're going to see each other. And if there was something, you know, someone I noticed that week that I thought she'd be interested in seeing. You know, but it's not going to be hours of back and forward and asking, how was your day? Where'd you go to the zoo? It's not that type of uh, connotation. It's just, listen, I don't want to spend any time. In general, anyone who's really important to me, unless they live in a different country or they fly in, fly out type thing, and I can't see them in person, I don't actually want to spend much time with anyone on my bloody device. I want to be in real life with them. And the same goes to my sexual relationships. Right? Stay focused on your purpose in life and we're using these devices as masters. We are the masters of our tools. The tools do not master us. So very key important here that the nature of your comms should be pretty reduced, pretty low key and mostly focused on the logistics to set up for the next time you're going to meet each other. And yeah, it's not to say that you can't every now and again, you know, if you saw something really interesting, you know, they'll be interested in. But at the same time, it's like, if you're seeing multiple people and you've got your own life and you've got your own purpose, you really shouldn't have time to just all day, every day, be just blasting this person. That's what I'm more worried about. I'm not so worried about you once or twice a week seeing some article because she's a marine biologist and you thought, oh shit, she really liked that. You know, okay, once or twice a week, that's okay, I guess. But I'd be very cautious with it because why why I'm being so cautious with this is that if you give people an inch, they fucking run an entire world with it. You know, because you, one thing leads to the next. So it'd be much better if you were radio silent. This is the fucking principle. It'd be much better if you were radio, radio silent except for the night before you wanted to meet her and then just meet up with her. And then you guys go to town. Then when you're together, all day, geek out on marine biology for all I care. Just keep focused on what you're supposed to be doing in life, I okay? guess. But that, I'm so harsh. Well, then you should be in a monogamous relationship, Jeffrey. All right, if you can't handle that, be in a monogamous relationship. And even then, that's not a good mindset because if you can't handle it, then that speaks to your inadequacy. That speaks to your inability to master yourself. So actually, you know what? Don't go to monogamous relationship. Keep forcing yourself through the pain. Yeah, that's right. Now, next micro we need to talk about is the disclosure of sexual partners. And that's what... So we're going through mad principles right now just because it's obvious we need to rehash this even though there's so much content on my channel about open free relationships, it's worth rehashing. It's worth, it's worth getting up here, especially for today's story. Disclosure of sexual partners. This one's very, very pertinent because she brought up something I have not seen before. Not once have I ever seen a girl text this to me, and that's also just in part because I've never made mistakes this bad before. I've never, I've never corrupted the principles of setting up open free relationships as badly as this guy has. I've made some mistakes, but not, not nearly as bad as this. This is just an absolute whitewash. This was a clean sweep. It's like every mistake, almost every mistake here was made, almost. 
But when she said, when she tasted him saying, I'm not interested in having a talk, just need clarification. How many people have you been seeing? Have you been tested recently? As I did not consent to being exposed to multiple sexual partners. So we're going to touch on that later when we get back to his story. Like we're going to break down the psychology of that. Like what does she mean when she says that? Why is she saying that? Because if, because surely if, if they had already had a discussion about non-exclusivity, then if she was worried about the STDs, wouldn't she have asked that before? Why is she asking? That? Yeah, okay. So this psychological, there's a lot more going underneath that than meets the eye. Not for right now. We will get there. <clears throat> Disclosure of sexual partners in general, though, when it comes to the micros, open and free relationships. I say to her, I don't need to know the name, age, body, height, weight of your partners. I don't need to know their occupation. All I need to know is that they do in fact exist. Just to make sure that we're on the same path. I don't need to know how many they are. I don't care whether you're seeing one other guy or 10 other guys. It really doesn't make any difference. I don't need to know their names as I said before. I don't need to know any details. Same with things, same, same in reverse. I don't expect you to be asking me about the girl I was seeing last night. I don't need to know what you guys were doing with each other. I don't expect you to be asking about what we were doing together other than the fact that there was someone that was doing something. In fact, like, what does that mean? Just being aware, like, with each other that we are, in fact, seeing other people. That's enough. That's enough. Why? It's hard enough for human beings to keep a stable mind in these relationships who are not practiced. It's hard enough for someone who's new to an open free relationship to keep their mind off you being with someone else, let alone if they know the age, height, and body weight of that particular other person, if they know the explicit details of where you guys went together, what type of positions you guys were fucking in. You know, there's, it's unnecessary. It makes it harder. And so this is the conversation of the truth and the whole truth. Like it's not untrue to say that I'm seeing another person but there would be more truth in saying what exactly who they are and what they're doing. Yeah, but is it necessary? Does it serve any benefit? I, in my opinion, no, it doesn't. If anything, it only hurts. I don't, like from a male perspective, I certainly don't need to know about how big the other guy's cock is. Like, I don't need to know that shit. <laughs> I don't want to be thinking about that. Uh, I, mean, not, I mean, if that's your thing, but it's definitely not my thing. So let it not be my thing. So I'd but in general, in general, I took an extreme example there, but I don't need to know what kind of car he drives and what you two were doing last night. Because why? Because when we're together, it's supposed to be about us. That's the entire principle of an open free relationship. It would be a different thing if you were entering a communal partnering or a communal parenting style in which that you're going to have multiple parents who are not biological parents raising one child. So you see this an example of you know, one mom, two dads, one dad, two moms, that type of thing. But they're not, bi- one of them's obviously not biological. Then it makes more sense in that situation to know more about the other partner because it's definitely a much closer relationship. That's not an open free relationship though. That's a very different relationship. And then you guys might think about that and we've heard you talk about hybrid relationships before. Okay, not for today, Jeffrey. <laughs> Uh, have I, I've not even made a full podcast on hybrid relationships, but I've talked about it pretty extensively in social Q and A's. I've answered the question a few times in social Q and A's. Not for today. 
But let me just say that a hybrid relationship is effectively meeting open and free and monogamous or closed and locked in the middle. It's essentially having one person that's regarded as the top priority, but you guys allow for sexual freedom outside of that. That's all I'm going to say on it. Okay, okay, okay. So I've gone through all the principles of the open and free. We've gone through how to set it up in terms of macro, how to be cautious or not so cautious depending on who's in front of you. We've gone through the complete environmental and psychological setup of it. We've gone through all the principles in terms of macro, getting intent out, getting her intent. We've gone through the micro principles of setting up how the mechanics of the relationship actually work. To finish this, all of this, everything we've just spent the last half an hour on or so should have been done post first sexual experience, unless caveat, she presented with some psychological red flags, high levels of attachment in which that this should have been done before the first sexual experience. I don't know her, so I can't make that judgment call. But what I can say is that it was an absolute failure on his part to not have the talk directly post first sexual experience. That is what led to all the mistakes that went on from here. That's why I've spent so much time on this because everything we're about to explain is just going to be reverse engineering bullshit because none of this bullshit that happened afterwards never had, it didn't have to happen. And that's what's really painful about it. I would actually, uh, you know, I'd like to sit down with her after this and I'd like to just like kind of like calm her down a little just to reassure her that from a guy who coaches social dynamics that no, this guy made the ultimate mistake. It's like you're you're one hundred. She was one hundred one hundred percent correct in flaming him uh, for not being for not honoring his roles as a V. Some of you might say though, oh, hold on, my friends. Someone is just about to walk in. So give me a second. We'll be back in. We're back, my friends. So I just had to take a break there to let someone in. Also took a fat piss myself. Hopefully you have as well. So back in. Why? Some of you may have asked. Why isn't it the feminine? Why isn't she getting responsibility or accountability for having brought up the talk? Why doesn't she have to bring up the talk? In the dance between masculine and feminine energy, the masculine energy is always the one to lead. Now, that does not mean that the male always leads. Sometimes the female has more masculine energy than the male. And in which case, she will have the onus to have this talk and to lead through this relationship. I always give you this caveat. There's never a battle between men versus women here. It's always just a balance of masculine and feminine energy. The, the masculine energy, its role is to lead. So it is always on him to set up the framework, not only in micro, set the frame of the relationship, but in macro, set the frame of the relationship dynamic. It's his fault 100%. It was never her responsibility to set up the expectations of the relationship. Great if she does and she helps to incept that, great. Not her role though. Absolutely not her role in the feminine energy speaking. So, okay, 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 okay. So where are we at here? That's the giant number one mistake. I think we've finished that now. Nothing else? Yep. Okay. Now we're going to have to play through the story a little bit. So let's walk through the story. So they had sex. Let's just say it was in after, you know, they said they've been having a sexual relationship for two to three months. They had sex somewhere between eight to ten times. So that's important to note. That's important to note. She's been under the guise that this is leading towards monogamy. No doubt. That is that he needs to understand this because he needs to never make this mistake again. This is what happens, my friends, is that it's the destruction of omission that purely because he omitted the discussion of where they will be and where this is going and what their relationship is, just the omission of that knowledge is what's led to this destruction. Because in the absence of that knowledge, 
she's been left to her own devices to assume, expectate what will happen next. So she's allowed, she's given herself to him. She's continued to sexually give herself to him as the weeks go by. In her mind, if not consciously, I'm sure at some point consciously, if it's elapsed this amount of time, but definitely subconsciously from the very beginning, this is leading towards monogamy. This is leading towards an exclusive relationship. So I said this since the beginning of time, my friends, particularly in 2021 uh, society, or since the beginning of my time coaching this. But generally speaking, even the girls that enter open and free relationships, most of them, not, I would say 90%, even if they enter the open and free relationship happy as can be, still somewhere in their minds are always vetting for whether this potentially could be something more exclusive. It is a very thin slice of the female population that is just so hell-bent on not wanting to go into monogamy. Not that they necessarily love exclusivity, but they just do not, uh, sorry, not that they necessarily love non-exclusivity, but they just do not want to be exclusive for whatever the reasons. They've been hurt before, been abused before, got walls, got shields put up, whatever it may be. They just hate that style of relationship. Now, too much pain there. They've decided that. That's a very small selection of the general woman and female type that you'll meet that leads with feminine energy. Generally speaking, though, you'll find that most women are always leading towards an exclusive relationship. It's how we're conditioned. It's how we're wired. However, as time has gone on more and more and the introduction of open relationships and the more that polarizing figures in the community and celebrities come out and say, okay, I've been in this open relationship and I enjoyed it for this reasons, but I didn't for that reason. And just more discussion about it has led more people to being embracing of it, particularly females. There are way more girls today that are into, at least willing to entertain the opportunity of starting in open free relationships. Not that they necessarily ever want to be in it forever. And most women don't. Most guys don't either. Most human beings don't in general. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit different, uh, at least at this stage of my life and have been for the last six or seven years. But we can talk about me later. We will. We'll get to that story of when this is actually, when I had a very similar situation to what happened to this guy in this story, but it didn't end badly. It ended very well, actually. Uh, generally speaking, generally speaking, there's always going to be a seed of exclusivity planted, whether it's expressing, whether it wants to be expressed, whether she allows to express it. It depends on the person. But we know in this girl's situation, uh, without a doubt, because based on how she responded here and how she just blew up at the end there and blew up for good reason, by the way, if she ever listens to this or if another girl is listening to this or if you guys listen to this, she blew up for good reason. She it never should have happened. She should have... I would have, I would have definitely hoped that she would have done it in a slightly more empathetic way, but it's pretty hard to expect someone to blow up in an empathetic way, you know, unless they've just got extreme mastery and command of their emotions. But even then, human beings are human beings, right? Human beings, are human beings. So, so they've been having sex quite. They had sex somewhere between eight to ten times, and the entire time she was thinking this was going to be exclusive. Somewhere two to three weeks ago, that have now we need to go back to this. Let's just slide back to the context about the conversation they had two to three weeks ago. So he said that she, Jenna, had asked me if I was seeing anyone two to three weeks ago. And there you go, my friends. That just corroborates my point even more. She asked. And that just makes his, his performance even worse. Why was she the one to have to ask if he was seeing anyone else? If anything, it should have been him on the front foot standing up as a man, 
and setting the dynamic and expectations of this relationship. We should have been done well, 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 way further back. But so effectively what happened here, she just got to a point in which that she needs clarity. She needs to know exactly what's going on. Fair dinkum, fair dinkum. It should have happened way. She should have asked for that a long time ago. This girl was way too nice. This girl burnt herself in a certain way as well. She should have brought this. She, she should have pulled this guy by the collar a long time ago. Should have held the fire under his ass a long time ago about this. The fact that she let it get to eight to ten experiences is not good. That's where she needs to improve. She let. She was way too trusting, way too accepting of this guy. She should have flamed him well, well, well before this. She obviously wasn't educated. That's okay. She'll forgive herself and move on. Learn. So two to three weeks ago, after them already been together for a couple months, having sex multiple times, she asked him if he's seeing anyone else. He told her, I couldn't provide an exclusive relationship. And because of that, I can't provide the emotional support, the kind of boyfriend she would require. She was okay with that. And she got more attracted to me because of that. So I think I made it very clear to her I was seeing other girls, indirectly, I suppose. So let's just break that message down. So finally, he's provided some form of clarity on what he's looking to achieve in the relationship space and what that would mean for her. I couldn't provide an exclusive relationship, which means I can't provide you the emotional support or be the boyfriend you want me to be. So he's correct. I'll give him one point here. I'll give him one point that he was definitely correct in giving the impression that if, and I'm taking, I'm taking his word for this and I'm just going to take his word for it, that if he did say everything he just said as explicitly as he just said it, I can't provide an exclusive relationship, which means I can't provide emotional support or be the boyfriend you require. If he explicitly stated, I can't provide an exclusive relationship, even though it's indirect, it's not direct, in saying that, in, in going through all the principles that I went through in the direct talk before. Like, this is not even close. You can see, like, that's why I had to go through at the beginning of this podcast what it means to set up an open, free relationship. And now you can see how he's kind of entered the beginning of that. It's like, it's not even close. Like, he's omitted so many points. There's so many things he's missed here. And it's not even in a direct sense. It's not even saying, okay, listen, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking to achieve. And this is reasons why. And also, this is what I would like for you to enjoy in. And this is what it would look like. What it would look like for you. What it would look like for us. Like he's, he's, he's playing in a complete reverse. He's like almost going in reverse. It's like he's going in reverse. He's, he's saying what he can't do. You guys see that? I can't provide an exclusive relationship which means I can't provide emotional support and I can't be the kind of boyfriend that you require, right? It's, it's like everything's wrong with that message. Everything, the way that that's phrased is, it's not how you start a relationship. It's not how you, and that's the, that's the point though. You guys are going, but it's not even starting the relationship because the relationship started so much further back. And of course, that is the root issue. That is the number one issue, but we, we've got to move beyond that. I mean, we can't, it's always going to be there now. Every mistake he makes from here on out is always going to be rooted back in the very beginning. The fundamental red flag, which is, of course, not having the direct talk immediately. Well, after the first sexual experience. So so first off then, my friend, you don't tell someone what you can't do for them. You tell them what you can do for them. You tell them what this looks like in light, in moving forward, in what this will look like together. And so you guys might think, but that's common sense, right? Well, it would if you're playing from a place of abundance, if you're playing from a place of direct congruence, authenticity. 
But if you're playing from a place of maybe not wanting to lose someone or not wanting to hurt someone or not wanting to enter a potential confrontation because that person doesn't like what they're about to hear, then you would play this particularly supplicative, putting, preventing a fire type, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that, which doesn't necessarily state what I can do for you, which, by the way, might not be what you want. What I can do for you is offer you the freedom to see other people because I need to be able to see other people. Uh, this girl might not like that, so I won't say that, and I'll just tell her what I can't do. Because then at least I get around having to explicitly state what would actually, in that moment, potentially end the relationship. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Food for thought. Food for thought. I'm not saying that's his exact mindset, but I know that's very common. It's always playing from a place of scarcity, however it manifests, as to why you would not be direct. Oh, always, always. If you are not being direct then you are being indirect because you are afraid of the outcome of being direct. If you're not willing to tell someone how you feel and what it is you're looking to achieve in this life, it is because you are afraid of how they'll respond to that. Absolutely. However you want to rationalize it or manifest it, absolutely. Now, 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 but we're not done there. We're not done with that because she goes, he says she was okay with that which, and she got more attracted because I said that. So I can't dive too much into that without really speculating. But when I said before, attracted or attached? Do you think a girl, do you think she would have gotten more attracted because he said, I can't give you exclusivity. I can't give you emotional support. I can't be the kind of guy you want me to be. More attracted or more attached is something that goes to my mind there. Because there's a bit of a dark social dynamic happening there. The reason why I think it's more attached, not attracted, is because of the darkness of what he's done. What he's done is psychologically manipulating her in a sense of that, which he didn't do consciously. Is I'm sure he's not even aware of this. That what he did was almost use a reverse psychological mechanism in which that showing her what she can't have makes her want it more can't give you this, can't give you the secure boyfriend, can't give you the emotions, can't give you that type of support. So what do we call that, my friends, in social dynamics? Pull moves. For those of you that have seen my formative podcast on push-pull moves, that is what we would refer to as a pull move, in which that you are actively pulling away, but doing it with intent to draw them in. So it's not pulling away as to disconnect a relationship, it's pulling away as to make them want to come closer to you. <clears throat> take it away, chase it more. All right? Can't have it, say someone you can't do it, want to do it more. Oh, now nah, I was going to use a political example there about protesting. I'll save that. All right? Tell a kid he can't eat the lollipop, he wants to eat the lollipop. All right? Don't think about white elephants. What do you think about white elephants? Pull moves. Tell someone what they can't do, what they can't be, what they can't have, they want to have it more. It is a reverse psychological mechanism. Pull moves. Want to know more about it? Go to my social Q&A. Uh, the push-pull, I think it's called the push-pull of social dynamics or the push-pull of attraction or just type in push-pull in my channel. I do an entire four or five hours something social community live on it. We're interacting with the audience at the same time. So what he did there was a pull move. Whether he knows that or not, I don't know. Because it seems that he doesn't know a lot. For someone that says that they follow my content a lot, 
he has made the absolute most fundamental mistakes of setting up open and fair relationships and the fact that he didn't even set it up. It's like it's one thing to make mistakes within the open relationship set up. As in like, okay, you missed out on the disclosure point about talking about sexual partners with each other. Okay, I missed out. Or, okay, I was texting her a little too much. I forgot to set that up. Okay, I'll set it up now. Or okay, I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to see her friends uh, or really like go out with them. It's like I was not like I was trying to hang out with them, but I agreed to meeting up with them at the cinemas one time. You know, it's like, okay, there's, there's mistakes that you make within the rules, but you did at least attempt to set up the rules off the bat. You at least attempted to set up the open fair relationship. Most people are that clued in if you follow my content. Most people are at least able to do that. He didn't even do that. He did not even attempt to set up the open fair relationship. And you guys might be thinking about, how did you know that, Adam? Because she had to ask him, are you seeing anyone? If she has to ask, are you seeing anyone, two months into a sexual relationship, you fucked up. Like you just tremendously fucked up. She should not be hanging in limbo wondering about whether you're seeing other people or whether she's allowed to go see other people or whether this is the thing or that's not the thing. You should have known that from the very beginning, past first sexual experience, of course. No later than past first experience past that. So that's what I'm saying. It just it keeps coming back to me because it's just it's a it's a absolutely uh it's unbelievable. It's actually unbelievable. It's specifically for someone that follows my content for a long period of time. It's just, it's really just disappointing. It's actually disgraceful, to be honest. Like it's, how could you do this? <laughs> because not because of like how poor it is on your end. Like it just shows a complete lack of understanding of social dynamics, but because of what it set her up for, the amount of pain she had to go through as a result of this. Now, no, 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 no. We need to get a little bit deeper into this. We're not done here. We're not done here because... It still didn't have to get as bad as it did, did it? She gave him one last opportunity to save this burning bridge, to put it out, to put the fire out. They weren't fully, they weren't so deep into the, br- the burning bridge. The flame wasn't so close to them that they couldn't have turned around and dumped a bucket of water on it. What do I mean by that? She asked him, are you seeing anyone? Which means he was presented with the opportunity to course correct, to go back and say, hey, listen, We've, it's actually my huge mistake. Listen, Jenna, we need to sit down. I've made a huge mistake. We really should have got clarity on what we're doing, what we're looking to achieve in our relationship space together. We really should have done this a long time ago. So let's sit down tonight. Let's really just nut it out and let's just really get clear on each other. They had that opportunity. She gave him that opportunity. He was clearly never going to do that, but she gave him a conscious ability to do that. It's by saying, are you seeing anyone right now? He denied it. He looped around it. He did an indirect version, playing the pool reverse psychological mechanism of saying that, okay, uh, listen, I can't do this for you. I can't do that for you. Okay. So that's another another red X, just another red X. Another poor performance, another failure. But I do need it now. Contrast, and I'll give him one point. The one point I will give him in this scenario is that he at least said, I can't provide exclusive relationship. If he didn't say that, then this entire story would be a 100% flaming of him. I wouldn't even attempt to flame her for her performance if he didn't say that. That is the one saving grace in this, in which that he did state, I can't provide an exclusive relationship, which to every human being on the planet that is of sexual maturity, 
understands I can't be just with you. That's what that means. I can't be exclusive. What does the word exclusive mean? Just you. One person only. Can't do that. Which does infer, very blatantly infer, I need to be able to see other people. Now, as to how many other people and the nature of how we're seeing those people, that's his failure. But he did at least succeed in in an indirect way, which I would never recommend. The way that should have sounded was that I need to be able to see other people and have the freedom to see other people. Here's why. Ability to learn about myself. Ability to continue experiencing human nature. Okay, whatever the reason may be. Just purely for the fact that I like to be with other people. Whatever it may be. That's how it should have sounded. He didn't do that. He didn't man up and wasn't direct about it. But he did at least offer an insurance policy to to just like literally the last flag though. It's like the last, last stand. It's basically Call of Duty martyrdom. Like he's already dead, but the grenade drops once you've been shot. That now she should understand that he is seeing other people. Not even should. She does understand. As long as he was actually being honest with me when he typed that message, which I'm going to take his word for. I will take his word for it. Because the way she reacted is not in line with what he said here. If she knows moving on past this point in the story, that if she knows from now on that he can't provide an exclusive relationship, which means he can't be the boyfriend, can't provide the emotional support. She knows on a logical level that he must be seeing other people or at least wanting to see other people. So that's an interesting delineation though, isn't it? What do you think is more likely, my friends? Do you think she was more likely thinking when he says, when, okay, let's be in the conversation there. Hey, listen, so uh, X, are you seeing anyone right now? You see anyone right now? And he's like, uh, well, you know, listen, I can't provide an exclusive relationship. I can't be the boyfriend and provide you that emotional support that you require. Do you think she walks away from hearing that by hearing? She listened to it, but what do you think she actually heard? She listened to it, but what did she hear? That he's seeing other people right now or that he wants to see other people? So is she, what I'm pointing to here, my friends, this is very key. Is he? Is she thinking, okay, so he just, he, he can't really lock himself down. Like he doesn't want to be just me, but it doesn't really mean he's seeing anyone else right now. Like, do you think that seed is dropped? And do you, or do you think the seed of that, no, no, okay, so he's probably having sex with other people right now. If you didn't know the full story, it would be very hard to judge. But now that we know the full story, we know the way that she reacted. I think it's very likely that what she heard was not what he think she heard, what she, what he thought she heard. I think what she heard was that I can't be your boyfriend right now. I can't be exclusive with you right now. I can't provide you emotional support right now. Which is inferring that I might not be seeing other people right now. Might. There's an aloofness because it was not direct. It's open to interpretation. I think she heard that, okay, I am the only one that he's seeing, but it's not like cemented. It's not 100%. Give it some more time. I think that's what she heard. I would put a lot of money on that. And I don't just mean that consciously. I mean that on a very, very subconscious level. 
in terms of a conscious level, it's hard for me to speculate because I obviously don't know her demeanor or her psychological set point. But I think she would have just perused that because he said she got more attracted as a result of it. So let's understand that. Because remember I said attached, not attracted. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, we kind of went into it before. So we, And this is why well, I didn't finish it. This is really the finishing point on that. Is that the attra- attached, not attracted. Because of the reverse psychological mechanism, I feel that she got more attached because he took away from her what she desires. So she chases it more. And at the same time, did not provide explicit clarity on what it is he's actually doing, which delays the fire. It delays the burning. That is what leads her to be pulled in closer. She would not get pulled closer to a flame she's about to get burnt if she didn't know that she was about to get burnt. If she knew she was about to get burnt, she would not get pulled closer. As well. Sorry is what I'm trying to say there. So it's really like it's two things happening there. It's, it's two things that are leading to her about to get absolutely destroyed. If he'd simply just been direct about it, it never would have happened. So she walks away with an open interpretation that fits her narrative, that fits her fairy tale. She wants an exclusive partner. She's been having a great time with him. They enjoy a lot of time together, see each other once a week, having good sex. Great. Uh, okay, so he doesn't want to be my boyfriend right now. Might want to see other people, but I don't know if he's seeing anyone else right now. He didn't state that. Right, so this is, you see what I'm saying, my friends. You can see how this is happening. Now he interpreted it as her becoming more attracted. I think that's what is actually going on. I think it's more attached. I think it's more attached. I don't think it's necessarily attraction in the sense of because what? Why do I? Why am I saying that? Why not attracted? Because attracted, I would agree with him that she would have gotten more attracted if and the well in this situation we can't use it. It's not apples to apples. A girl gets more attracted in the face of direct congruent authenticity, DCA. When you have the open and free talk of girls, they are often more attracted because they've never experienced this level of integrity from a masculine being. When you've had, uh, let's say, general general experience with most girls, you won't have to have the talk pre-sex. It's only for girls that show high levels of preceded attachment off the bat, as we've discussed earlier, nuance. But generally speaking, eight out of 10 times, you have a couple of dates of a good, if it's not the first date and you guys absolutely fucking connect and you just have an absolute uh, Disney fairy tale of each other and you end up having sex that night, or it was uh, a couple of dates later, second date, third date, whatever, and you guys ended up having sex and then okay, the next date after that, you say okay, let's, let's depending on her set point, whether you set it up say hey let's have a quick talk about us, or you just popped it up on a random night chilling down at the beach, uh, well not random but a night the next night after having sex. And you say to her, hey, listen, you know, Joan, I feel like we just need to get some clarity on where we're at in terms of our relationship and just make sure we're fully accepting of this. And okay, we go through the whole setup. We go through acknowledging her. We go through, okay, let me be heard fully first and then I give you that experience as well. And then you're okay, we'll go through all this. And then we get through the intent and you say, okay, listen, I'm looking to experience all of human nature. I need to learn about myself in relation to others, which means I need that freedom to be able to see myself with others. And I want you to have that freedom as well. I want you to be able to learn, et etc. et cetera. You're basically just laying it out, bare bones, fully, fully explicit. Then attraction can be sparked. Many a time a girl looks at that and goes, holy shit, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being so damn open with me. No guys like this. So few, so few women I've been with that have reacted going, oh yeah, yeah, of course, that's what I expect from you because that's what I've had with other guys. <laughs> yeah, it's not the case. Most girls are gobsmacked. Most girls are going, holy shit. Uh, even if they don't agree to it, that's going, holy shit. But even when they do agree to it, it's holy shit times 10 
because then it's like, oh my gosh, this makes me even more attracted to you because you're just being so open with me. Right? Then it's attraction. When it's moving towards light, when it's moving towards love, when it's moving towards mutual benefit and getting each other on the even equal playing field, then it's attraction. But it is attachment if it's done with darkness and when it's done with uh, circumnavigation, when it's done with indirectness, which is what he did. That's why I'm saying it's not why he said she got more attracted and she got more attached. Okay, I'm happy with that. I think we've explained that pretty uh, in depth. In depth. So let's move on for his story. So she's going along. She's in the. She's still clinging on to what I believe to be a misguided idea of exclusivity. One day, she's not totally confirmed because he has not confirmed where he, whether he's seeing other people right now or not. But it was important to note he did say, "I can't be exclusive." So that gives us reason to conflict with some of the things she said later on. Just keep that in mind. She does know that he did say, I can't be exclusive. Which does infer the possibility of other people. It doesn't confirm other people, but it definitely gives the potentiality. No doubt about that. And don't forget, my friends, this is not a highly sexually experienced Western girl. This is what I would refer to as a pretty mild to low, moderate to low sexually experienced Asian girl. So that's really important. That's huge, actually. But we'll talk more about that later. Just keep that in mind, though. Keep that in mind. So let's move on. Now we get to the apps. Now we get to the where the fireworks go in. The setup's so important, though. I fucking love this shit. I love breaking down such dynamics. So... So now we get to the fireworks. After that discussion that we just talked about, the indirect talk, two, three weeks go by. They had sex twice in between then. Let's just say, let's just call it a Friday night. They had sex for the second time. After that little indirect talk, two, three weeks go away by. They had sex once, then they have sex again. Next day, next night, there he is in the train station with a girl he's on a first date with. Uh, he met the three, uh, Jenna, three month ago, through cold approach, and I'm I'm just going to assume that he met this first date girl through cold approach. Through cold approach as well, I don't know that for sure, but I'm just going to just for the sake of the story. I don't know, that's the only evidence I have to go on. So okay, so he's on a first date with a girl. They're holding hands, which means it's going well. If they're holding hands, and it's at night time, by the way, this is like 9 p.m. I don't know how much time they spent together, but if they're holding hands, they have most likely already kissed. I would take it eight out of 10 times. If you're already holding hands, you've probably already kissed. I don't, I can't remember many times where I was holding a girl's hand before kissing her. Like that just doesn't make sense. I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure you could do it. I mean, like, of course you could do it. It just doesn't, doesn't feel right. <laughs> no, it doesn't feel right at all. In fact, that just feels silly. That feels absolutely silly. Don't be ridiculous, Jeffrey. Okay, so, <laughs> so guys, kiss the girl before holding a hand for God's sake. <laughs> Uh, but why, Adam? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Jerry. Let's just get back on the podcast, all right? I don't have time for your shit. <laughs> okay, okay. I love the hypothetical Jeffrey. He's so real in my mind, though. I flame all day long. Only with you guys, though. Only with you guys. I don't mention Jeffrey in any other piece of content I do in any other space. It's only with the guys who follow, or anyone who follows the bowl. You guys all know Jeffrey. 
We love him, but we hate him, don't we? <laughs> He's always asking the most ridiculous questions. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. All right. So, just shut. Just shut. He's walking in the train station. It's late night. First date. Holding this girl's hand. First date. Jenna walks by, walking towards them. I don't know that for sure, but walking by, at least within view shot, eye shot. She notices that the guy she's been seeing for three months now, she just had sex with the day before. Sorry, guys, that car's super fucking loud. She walks by, sees the guy she's been seeing for three months, holding the hand of another woman. She just had sex with this guy the day before. And a week before that, and for the last eight to, ten, eight to ten weeks before that. Now, she knows that the this could have happened, definitely, without a doubt. This was definitely a potential that she was aware of. He did say, I can't be exclusive with you. But she sees it happening now for the first time, especially the day after having sex with him. You really have to think about that from the female perspective. He was... Penetrating inside her the day before. They had a sexual connection the day before. Him feeling her, her being filled by him the day before. Sees him in the train station with a different woman holding the hand. You've got to really put yourself in the visualization here. Because otherwise it's too easy to just breeze over her emotional response. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't berate him. Remember, she's of Asian demeanor, so that's definitely not going to be her unless she's Thai <laughs> or Korean. If she's Thai or Korean, she probably would berate him. But, you know, if she's Japanese, Chinese, uh, Malaysian, Singaporean, Nepalese, you know, if she's not, they're not the type. They're not the type to make a public display of things. The The hot Asian cultures are really Thai and Korean. South Korea, of course, no one knows any North Koreans. Well, barely any. Shout out to Yonli Park. Uh, South Koreans, Koreans, and uh, Thai women are, can be particularly hot. But generally speaking, most Asian women, particularly Japanese, are very indirect about their emotions. And they're not going to make a public display, even if it's the worst thing that's ever happened to them, for the most part. Of course, there's, because people are very wide-ranging. But in this scenario, it doesn't surprise me, is what I'm saying, that she didn't go up to him or didn't, Make a whole scene about it, okay? So she walks on. Apparently, they didn't make eye contact. That's what he said. But obviously, he knows that she knows and she knows that he knows. So they must have seen each other at some point. Maybe they didn't make direct eye contact, but he saw her and he saw her looking away and she must have seen him before, you know. Okay, I can see how that happens. So he sends a text 30 minutes after this experience saying two words, let's talk. Stop, stop. What, well, my friends, is the issue with that? So, I told you before when we were breaking down the intro of this podcast why that was a huge red flag. That is not how you open up a potentially potentially fireworks of a conversation. Now, he might say back to me, but I didn't know it was going to be a fireworks of a conversation. Well, clearly not. Clearly not. Because your uh, social savviness was just missing here. So, let's talk. Let's talk. You would have to be an absolute sociopath to not know that 
when you were walking through a train station with a different girl holding her hand and you see the woman that you were having sex with the other day previously and you do not have an open and free relationship set up. Let's be very clear about that. These two, Jenna and X, do not have an open and free relationship set up. They have next to no clarity on what their relationship is. They have not explicitly stated, to the best of my knowledge, what they are looking to achieve both on individual parts and what that's going to look like together, moving now, moving forward. They have That's not been worked out at this point. It's like 10 weeks in a relationship and they're already having sex multiple times. So that's really key to mention. So he knows this and he knows that she's got to be at a minimum upset, at a minimum upset that she saw him with a different girl. If he doesn't know that, well then... You, Nah, it's like you would have to be a sociopath to not know that, that she would be upset by saying that. I'm trying to play devil's advocate and trying to think about it from his perspective. He might try and think back by saying, no, but I said that I can't be exclusive. Yeah, but that that's, remember that, that you're still omitting the direct knowledge that you would be with someone else. So of course, when she sees the visual of you being with someone else, that is going to be very upsetting if that expectation was not set. So in his mind, he's probably he probably rationalized in the moment when he said, let's talk, that this probably wouldn't be a super confrontational situation. Otherwise, he would not have done it in such a nonchalant way, in a way that is just actually very offensive. Like it's very offensive when you know that this woman's going to be upset to send two words, let's talk, as if you are this master of universes, as if you are this uh, dictator saying, so, so let me pause that for a second. How should that text should have sounded from the beginning? It should have sounded something like this. Hey, Jenna, I sense that when I saw you in the train station earlier, you were pretty upset by seeing me with this other girl. I really want to talk about what might have been a bit of confusion and really hear you out, really understand what you're feeling and provide any clarity that you need to know. Signed, my name. That's it. Not let's talk. Not let's talk, which is just, it's so ambiguous that it infers arrogance. The let's talk infers the arrogance that you've A, done nothing wrong and B, that she's all good that she's fine, that you've done nothing wrong and that she's all good and you're fine. Wrong and wrong. You should assume off the bat that she's upset and that you have done everything wrong because you have. But of course, he's not aware of that. Otherwise, well, maybe maybe he did know. Maybe he just, yeah, because you guys, maybe I'm absolving him of too much awareness. Maybe this entire time he did know that he was making all these mistakes and just chose to do nothing about it. That's definitely a real possibility. My friends, I have been breaking down stories like this for over six years and I have come across many of them, many, many, many of them in which that guys and girls as well have told me that I knew about the mistakes I was making at the time. I just chose not to act upon to rectify them. I just chose not to rectify them. It's like I knew that I was, I should, I remember we did a podcast back in the early BDPs when a girl reached out to me about cheating with, well, a guy cheated on his partner with her. And it was a really sticky situation. I think the title of the podcast was Why Girls, Why Guys Cheat on Girls. It was like BDP 50 or something. And and so that girl reached out to me saying that I know that I shouldn't have been sleeping with him, but 
you know, it's like, yeah, but I just, I couldn't stop or whatever, you know, et cetera. So, so there are definitely situations in which people are fully aware that they're fucking up yet choose not to rectify that. And that is very much a possibility that what this guy was going through. So I'm not going to absolve him too much of that lack of awareness. Now, at the same time, it could be the opposite. He could genuinely have thought that he was all good and that he didn't make a mistake. And so that's why he sent the text of, let's talk. And that would have been all good. Horrendous. Horrendous. So what I'm saying there is this horrendous, either a horrendous lack of self-awareness or a horrendous lack of empathy. It's got to be one of the two. Because just to say, let's talk is unbelievably arrogant. Because you've not only upset her, but you've also you've also assumed that you've done nothing wrong. It's just outrageous. So as I said, I gave you that example of how it should have been set up. It should have been set up by, number one, uh, acknowledging the fact that, well, well, I saved the point of him maybe not being aware that he's made a mistake by saying that, first acknowledging her emotions, that, hey, listen, I noticed in the train station that you were, not, uh, that you were clearly upset, and I just want to provide, I want to go through the confusion, I want to provide some clarity, I want to answer any questions you have. And uh, I do, and definitely now I would have, now I if I was in that situation which I definitely would never would be because I never would have made this mistake at the beginning, but I would have said I would I would never let the mistakes get to this point at the very minimum that I would have said and also I'm sorry for the way that you are feeling right now I would have just said sorry off the bat but it, I'm not saying that in this message because I'm also counting for what if he doesn't even realize that he's done something wrong. Yeah, so the perfect message would have also been to finish saying, and I'm sorry for any uh, ill feelings or any misfeelings that you have, not misfeelings, ill feelings was the right word, any uh, tumultuous emotional experience you were having right now. I'm sorry for that, even if it was a result of confusion, right? Just take care of her emotionally. That's your number one role as a masculine being. Take care of her emotionally. Right? I don't care about your finance, don't care about your social gratification, don't care about your status in these worlds of worlds. All I care about is your ability to take care of her emotionally. Right, if you can't put her emotions first, if you can't put her as an emotional being first, if you can't look at her and say that I'll provide you with the love, peace, and joy in all situations, which means that if in a situation where I was walking down the station holding the hand of a different girl and that you came by and even though I thought we were non-exclusive, but obviously you had confusion about that and that's actually a result of my mistake because I wasn't direct about that up front, then of course that's my fault and I'm going to make sure I take care of you emotionally. I'm going to make sure that I say sorry, that I acknowledge your emotions, that you're upset and I say that I'm sorry. Even if it's from a point of confusion, who incepted that confusion? Me. So, of course, I'm going to apologize before we even get into the bat. Right? Her emotional care is always of the utmost importance. And that's, and by the way, that's, that might sound like, a, like an old school, stoic, gentlemanly principle. It's actually a human principle in which that when you have wrong done someone, even if it's a result of confusion, and in which that you never intended to wrongdo them. You should always take care of them emotionally first. If you, if someone thought you were going to be bringing home the jar of coconut oil and you didn't realize that that's what they expected and you didn't, and you came home without the jar of coconut oil and they fly off the fucking handle because you didn't bring home the jar of coconut oil, right? Before you get to the deliberation of who was supposed to bring home the coconut oil, you take care of them emotionally first and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this led to this. I'm sorry for the way that you're feeling. And for inspiring those emotions, obviously there's a confusion point. Let's work that out. But first off, I love you and I'm sorry for making you feel this way. You take care of people emotionally first, always. You don't send a text with two words saying, let's talk, when someone's clearly upset. Absolutely not. That's just bloody horrendous. It's disgraceful. It's absolutely disgraceful, the way of treating people. 
So. Let's move on. Let's move on. He sends that message. Two words. Let's talk. She responds. And of course, that's going to set that. Now, now, my friends, she was already feeling like, like the volcano was already ready to erupt. If it hadn't already erupted, the molten lava was already at the surface. It was just waiting to have that ignition point of going boom and just go and just billowing out lava all over this universe. She's not at that point. What what incepted? Well, she wasn't at that point prior. I believe that if he had given her the text that I just gone through saying with all the clarity points, the empathy points, taking care of her emotionally first, I feel like he could have saved the volcanic eruption. But he did the opposite. He actually just, he threw a lightning bolt in there. (laughs) By saying, let's talk, that was effectively him up in the clouds, coming down from high up, saying, here's a lightning bolt for you. And he just drove that lightning bolt into her volcano. (sighs) And uh, so that's where you get her response. He says, let's talk. She responds, lightning bolts in. (laughs) That let's talk is just an absolute ignition point. And she just loses the handle. She goes, I'm not interested in talking. I just have a couple of points I need clarification on. One, how many people have you been seeing? Two, have you been tested recently as I did not consent to being exposed to multiple sexual partners? Let me know your earliest convenience and good luck with your job interview. Now... What's amazing about that message is that you know that's been said by an Asian girl because even at the end, there was some human decency at the end. There was there was like, it, there was no fuck yous. There was no, you absolute bastard or you absolute dickhead or you a piece of shit. You know, that's a white girl message. That's a white girl message is going to sound, what's a white girl message of that? Instead of I'm not interested in talking, it's going, who the fuck are you to say let's talk? She goes, I just have a couple of points I need clarification on. <laughs> I need you to tell me this shit right now, right? That's a white girl message of that. She says, number one, how many people have you been seeing? White girl version. How many people you've been fucking? (laughs) Number two, she says, have you been tested recently as I did not consent to being exposed to multiple sexual partners? White girl version. How many people sucking your dick? I didn't say that I wanted herpes. Right. (laughs) It's like, you see what I'm saying? Like the white girl version is completely different to the Asian girl version. And then the end, let me know at your earliest convenience and good luck with your job interview. White girl version, you better tell me fucking now, otherwise I'm calling the cops. Yeah. We know it's an Asian girl. So benefits, benefits of being of an Asian girl. Like there's a lot of negatives in terms of that. Well, the negatives, when I'm saying the negatives, there's a lot of warning or uh, there's a lot of, Asian girls get attached, in my experience, far, far more readily than white girls do, purely because of the balance between sexual experience and attachment level, as we've discussed many times in this podcast. Typically, what I found is that, and it's of course, we're just talking generalities here, but from the average white girl that I've met, generally speaking, has more sexual experience, is more sexually liberal than Asian girls. I've met many, many Asian girls that are virgins into their late 20s, and that's not uncommon. It's definitely not uncommon. Like it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not actually common, but it's not uncommon. Like it's not like I've experienced it. It's it's happened multiple times. Or if not absolute virgins, one partner, one partner their entire life until like their thirties. Whereas for a white girl, it's definitely not as that's definitely not as common. So 
And by the way, that's not just from my own personal experience. That's also from breaking down these situations and experiences of people across the world for the last six years. Right? This is also anecdotal reference from all the clients I've worked with as well. And not even just clients, but the stories that you guys send me in that I just make free content on. So I've got a very good read on that when I say that. So I'm very confident in that, that generally speaking, Asian girls are far more readily attached and have lower levels of sexual experience in general, just in general, not a hard rule. Of course, you can find some absolute freaks in the Asian culture as well. <laughs> and freaks in a good way. Freaks in a good way. Sexual experience is to be honored. Absolutely. So I encourage it from all aspects, all angles. So, 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 so. She sends that text. He responds the next day. I have no STIs. By the way, he says STIs slash STDs. I forget. They always flip back on what it used to be STDs, then it was STIs, and they changed it back to I don't know. Basically, sexually transmitted infection or disease. He goes. So I. So he states that he answers question. He answers part of question. No, no. He answers question two. Question two was: Have you been tested recently? As I did not consent to being exposed to multiple sexual partners. And he says I have no STIs. Okay. Cool. So he definitely answers that. He then goes on to say, I'm so sorry. That was so with three O's. I'm so sorry for this to end like this. I'm so sorry for this to end like this. Thank you so much for everything that you did for both of us. Thank you so much for how you you taught me about myself, how much you allowed me to grow within your presence. And we had amazing times for sure. But now that time's done. And I want you to move forward and I want to move forward. So I'll let it be. For those of you on the podcast, I've just folded my arms, closed my eyes, and I'm rubbing my eyes, just sighing, just squinching my eyes, cringing to a certain extent. I don't like the word cringe. It's been used, it's been taken over by social media. You know, cringe used to be a good word until people just started using cringe for fucking everything. What I'm trying to explain here is just how disappointed I am in that message. Now, on the surface, it sounds all right. Like, it sounds okay, doesn't it? Like, it sounds empathetic. It sounds like he's trying to make amends. It sounds like the first good message, actually. Like, relative to everything else he sent and all of his other behaviors, it's the first time that it actually sounds pretty okay, in which that he says, well, he at least answered one part of the question, that he doesn't have any sexual diseases, and that he said he's sorry. He said, I'm sorry for it to end like this, and that he's he's thanking her for everything that she did for both of them, thanking her for how much she taught him about himself, how much she allowed him to grow within her presence, and for the amazing times. See, now that all sounds, that's great. That's great if it's in context. But what's the context? She asked two very explicit questions in saying, pre, pre-setting up with, I'm not interested in talking. I just have a couple points I need information, well, she said clarification, but essentially information on. Number one, how many people have you been seeing? He did not answer the question. Huge red flag. I remember earlier on the podcast, my friends, when we were talking about the principles of open free relationships, I mentioned one thing in the sexual disclosure part in which that I said, if she asks you point blank, how many people, uh, or sorry, are you seeing other people or do you want to have sex with other people? If do you want, more specifically, do you want to have sex with other people? Are you saying that you want to have sex with other people? You have to answer that point blank. Now, as to how many people you are having sex with, uh, et cetera, that's, that's not necessary. Absolutely not necessary. We'll get to that in her message later. But no, that's absolutely not necessary. But my friends, that's predicated on the relationship being set up from the beginning. That's not the case here. 
The case here is that this is an absolute shit show of a volcanic eruption that had a lightning bolt through in the middle of it, in which that she's just learning all about this now for the first time. So her asking, because you guys might think, but she's not allowed to ask how many people have you been seeing? Is That's not part of the T's and C's. The T's and C's were never set up to begin with. It would be breaking. Well, this conversation would never fucking have to happen if the conversation, the talk was had from the beginning. This would never have gotten to the stage. Her having the blow up, her getting upset about this, him making all these mistakes never would have happened if at the beginning he set out from the beginning. So, so she's well within her right here to be asking how many people have you been seeing because he has not stated and has not set up the relationship for any clarity on that at all. So he didn't ask, he didn't answer that in the message. And that's a huge mistake on his part. He needs to answer that straight up. She definitely has a right to know that. Uh, part two. Now, you guys might think, let me just not breeze over that. Why does she have a right to know that? Because she feels betrayed. And she has been betrayed. He's literally done the job on her. He's done the job on her in an indirect way. He hasn't intended to be a dickhead, but he's been a dickhead in an indirect way. He's done it in a way that the end result was the same. She's scorned. She's betrayed. She's hurt. He's rubbing salt in the wound by not answering the question and diverting to thanking her for all the great things that she's done. Now, listen, my friends, what he said about thanking her for everything that she did and growing in her presence and teaching him so much about himself, I love all that in context of a broader message. Right? If, if it was in a different time, and not necessarily even in a different place, it still could have been said in his response. But if he had added, if he had just answered part one and part two, then put all that at the end, that would have been fine. But not all of it. I'm not happy with all of that message. I'm only happy with the part about thanking her and him saying that he didn't have any STIs. So the message should have said, his response should have been, okay, this is how many people I've been seeing in the time we've been together. Five, three, two, one, how many girls has been? Part two, I have no STIs. I have no STDs. Have been checked recently. Great. Part three, thank you so much for everything. Go through his whole thank you message. However, he made a mistake, a huge mistake in his response. When he said, I have no STIs and he's so sorry if things end like this. Thank you so much for everything. He ended it with something interesting at the end in which he said, we've had amazing times for sure, but now that time's done. Hang on. Hang on. Where do you get the moral high ground to say that that time's done? Right? Like, it's, it's a fact. Like, I agree with you that, yes, the time is done. But that's not your position to say. Like, it's assumed that it's done because you fucked up big. Like, you've made every mistake here. But that's not your... It's not the time's done because she made a mistake or because she's acting irrational. It's because you made a mistake. So it's like... It's like... It's like a a criminal robbing a bank, getting caught outside the bank by the policeman, gets brought into the court and the judge is handing down the punishment and the robber says at the end, listen, I totally accept the punishment and listen, this is all over now. This is all done now. It's like everyone in the courtroom will be looking at him going like, who the fuck do you think you are? You're the one who robbed the bank. You're the like <laughs> This is not your, your place. You have no moral high ground to stand on to be putting a bookend on the end of this experience. Like You see how absurd it is? The way she's going to hear that is like, who do you fucking think you are? Like, 
That is exactly what she's going to perceive that as. It's outrageous. The arrogance, the hubris, man. And then he goes on to say, and I want you to move forward and I want to move forward. So I'll let it be. It's just, it's so arrogant. It's so arrogant. It's so rubbing the salt in the wound. It's not even directly addressing the mistakes that he made. Nowhere in this message, nowhere, nowhere did he acknowledge any mistakes that he made. As if he's just so socially uncalibrated or sociopathic to the point that he can't even understand that he's made mistakes or he's so ashamed or disgraced dishonorable to be able to actually front up and say what his mistakes were. So it's what I said before. It's either a lack of self-awareness or it's a lack of humility. It's, it's one of those two things. It's like he's either he doesn't even know what he doesn't even know or that he knows what he knows yet doesn't have the, the humility to say what he doesn't know. It's, it's one, it has to be one of those two things because it's just so blatant. The arrogance, the hubris is so blatant. So you can see why, now listen, when I said that his first message of saying let's talk was a lightning bolt into the volcano about to erupt, yeah, that was a lightning bolt. But the follow-up message was, uh, what what can I use here? What analogy can I use? Let's just say a barrage of lightning bolts. It was a barrage. It was a fully automatic spray of lightning bolts into an already erupting volcano. By not directly answering all of her questions and more specifically at the end, not addressing what his mistakes were and just brushing over it, breezing over it, like, it's all good, I'll move forward, you move forward, no worries. Like, that is just disgraceful. I cannot believe you would treat another human being like that, especially after what just happened. You guys just had sex the other day. She sees you in the train station with another girl. It's like, what? What? It's like, I can't even believe that you would, that someone would be capable of this that watches my content. It's like, it's not a, a disbelief of that human beings can be like this. No, I've seen worse behavior than this for sure. But it's, it's when it comes from someone who I know has followed my content for a long time, it's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. It's like all I have ever preached is treating people with the utmost care and concern. I have gone to town on so many situations particularly in the social Q&As when we have a live audience and we're breaking down the situations just like this and I'm flaming the audience, particularly very male-based, on what they're not getting. When they're giving me the answers back to questions, I could say if I questioned them on this and said, okay, what's the number one mistake that he's made? They might say, oh, the wording of that or uh, they'll focus on him. They'll focus on his 50. None of, it's very hard for the male perspective to put themselves in the female perspective and go, okay, how does she feel? How did she feel when she saw me in the train station with that girl when we had sex the previous day? How did she feel when I didn't address the mistakes? Or how would she feel if I don't address the mistakes? Right? This is where guys fuck up the most. And this guy has just royally done it. He's royally fucked up. That's why I'm saying it's a barrage of lightning bolts here. It's a barrage. Because the way she's going to interpret that message is that, yeah, you're not answering my questions. You answered one of them, but barely. But you're answering, you're, you're not even addressing the fact that you've done something wrong. That's the number one mistake here. You have not addressed that you have led me on for eight to 10 weeks or so. And yes, we had an indirect conversation, but it was indirect. It wasn't direct. It did not explicitly state that you would be seeing other people right now and multiple other people like that, if that was the case. So you can see how she would just fly off the handle with this. So let's read the next message. 
Oh, and finally, the little end bit, the little bit there at the end where he says, "So I'll let it be." Yeah, that's just the arrogance of Time Nine Thousand. <laughs> so she responds to that by saying, "Don't thank me for treating you the way any decent human being would when you obviously didn't have the courtesy to treat me the same. You weren't honest with me, and even now, you're avoiding my questions and not giving me direct answers." I don't know what you were trying to accomplish here, but for a 34-year-old man, you're just a disappointment, and I regret ever meeting you. That is exactly what I am talking about. It's like, now that we've gone through the full story, can you guys empathize with her a little bit more? Just even a smidge more? I think it's a little more than a smidge, though. It's like, I'm 99.99% in her court here. Like there's only one, there's a point, there's only 0.1% that I need to caveat with at the end of this that she needs to work on herself. But she's, everything she said there is so accurate. Everything she said there is outrageously accurate. She says, don't thank me for treating you the way any decent human being would when you obviously don't have the courtesy to treat me the same. 100% accurate. He did not have the human decency or courtesy to address the fact that he had wrong done and that she was obviously perceived she was at least communicating to him, even if he didn't understand why, that she had felt wrong done by. And he didn't even offer to try and understand. He didn't even ask her, uh, listen, I feel like there's some confusion here. I'm not entirely sure how you're feeling about this. Can you please tell me? You know, she didn't even ask, like, because that would be like level one. But he didn't even rise, to, that's level one out of a fucking thousand. He didn't even rise to level 100, which is not even level 100, level 10, which would have just been to say, okay, listen, I'm sorry for the way that you're feeling. I'm not entirely sure why. Let's talk about it. Please explain to me and get real clarity on it. Really try to understand her. He didn't even attempt to understand her. He didn't even attempt to get clarity on her. Like it's just, so of course, she's 100% on point. I'm fully in her bank when she says, you know, don't thank me for treating the way any human, any decent human being would have because he was not a decent human being in this moment. Absolutely not. Failed completely as a human being in the respect of decency. Absolutely. Completely with her on that. She goes on to say, you weren't honest with me. And even now, here's where we have to, here's where things get a little tricky. She says, you weren't honest with me. And even now, you're avoiding my questions and not giving me direct answers. So she's on, but she's off here. She's on when she says, you're avoiding my questions and not giving me direct answers. 100% with that, she's on with that. Where she's off in a in in a legal technicality, she is off when she says, "You weren't honest with me." That's where it's not even that he gets a point for that; it's that she loses a point. So it's not that okay. That means he's right. He did the right thing. No, 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 no. He didn't do the right thing by not being direct with her. It's just that he didn't necessarily do the wrong thing technically by being indirect what i mean by this when she says you weren't being honest to me you weren't honest to me and even now you're not answering my questions directly or giving me my answer the ones i want when he had said two to three weeks ago i can't be exclusive can't give you exclusivity can't be your boyfriend and can't give you the emotional support that you need he on a legal technicality he wasn't dishonest in that he never actually said, yes, I will be exclusive. You are the only one. You will never see me walking down the train station with another woman. That is technically true. 
on a legality, if we're breaking this down for the word for words, absolutely. But remember what we did back when we broke that down in probably about 30, 40 minutes ago, my friends. How did she hear that? And this is where things get tricky. So when she says, so is she lying then? Is she lying when she says, you weren't honest with me? Yes and no. Yes and no. On a legal, technical standpoint, she is technically wrong. She is technically incorrect in saying that he was not honest. But looking at it from a much larger perspective in which that, how she was emotionally led down this experience, sleeping with this guy for eight to 10 weeks or so, there was no stipulation on the relationship. There was no clarity on the relationship. There was no setup of the relationship, which was 100% on his responsibility. He failed in that. And then she finally put it to him, are you seeing anyone right now? And he gave that, he gave that indirect answer. The way she heard it was that, okay, so he's just not wanting to be my boyfriend right now. That was her interpretation. He's just not seeing anyone else right now. That's probably her interpretation. Now, is that, was that accurate though? Technically not. There was no reason why at that point that she couldn't have assumed that he was seeing other people because he left the door open. But in leaving the door open is now when we speak to a legal principle of negligence. Did he exercise a high enough level of negligence of due care for her emotional interpretation of what I can't be exclusive or be your boyfriend or provide you emotional support would mean for her. Did he exercise high enough negligence for us to say that, well, basically he was being dishonest? Even if not in so many words, you know, that's what we're really weighing up here. Or did he exercise enough duty of care to his legal neighbor, in this using legal terms here, to absolve him of responsibility for being in this situation and for the emotions that she feels? That's really the prime question here. And as I deliberate on this, and as you guys deliberate on this, I want you to answer the question yourselves. I want you to answer the question and... If you come back here on YouTube, feel free to put your input down in the comment box down below. But as a coach of social dynamics, as someone that has spent a vast majority of his professional life working in these situations and scenarios, dealing with human beings, learning, going through, like my anecdotal reference bank of how human beings interpret certain things, how they hear certain things, how they process relationship dynamics is off the chain just not because i'm so special but purely because i've spent so much fucking time doing it because i've just had so many hours thousands of hours talking with people not only in my own actual experiences going out and meeting people but with clients and hearing client stories with other people involving other people i just and doing these breakdowns of these podcasts like when you amass it all together this is where I'm going to make my deliberation. I want to hear yours, but when he's listening to this, I wouldn't take too much stock in what necessarily random people on the internet are putting down in the comment box because they're just one of one. They don't have the same experience as me. So here's my deliberation, if you would like to value it. And obviously you do, otherwise you wouldn't have reached out. I feel that you were extremely negligent in the care of her emotional set point 
of the outcome of how she would likely interpret your indirect way of saying that I can't provide exclusivity, can't be a boyfriend, can't provide emotional support. Technically speaking, you were not dishonest, but morally and ethically, you were extremely dishonest. That is my deliberation. And so she is well within her right to erupt this way. And by the way, her way of erupting is so classy. It can be classier, but if this was a white girl, you have a fucking brick thrown through your window. Like you have flat tires because they've been pegged. You got, you got keyed. Your car's going to get keyed. You're going to have someone showing up your door if this was a particular set of white girl, right? That, that's, I think that's the best way of summing it up though is that you were negligent. If not from a technical standpoint, you were negligent from an ethical standpoint. You had to know ethically that as, the, as a result of leading her down this sexual path and to not provide her, not to do what any upstanding, direct, congruent, authentic man would do, which is at the beginning of a sexual relationship, set up the clarity, get the principles laid out of what are we, what are we doing, what am I looking to achieve in this relationship space, what are you looking to do, are we in the same alignment, cool, let's move forward, let's keep progressing and learning together. The fact that you didn't do that is already a giant failure, which led to all of this. None of this had to happen if you had done that from the beginning. But as that omission of that particular event continued out throughout your relationship, sexual experience after sexual experience, continue to have sex with her, you're just only deepening her attachment. The more the woman has sex with you, the more she becomes attached to you, the more the envisionment of having more time with you, spending more time with you, building a life with you. This is how human beings work. And don't, don't play the dumbass in this. Don't play, oh, well, I didn't know that. You're 34 years old. And I know you, you have sexual experience prior to this. You have been with other people prior to this. You have been following my content. You know enough to know that if you play on someone's emotions like this, whether you're doing it directly, indirectly, consciously, subconsciously, it doesn't matter. The end result is the same. You will deepen the attachment. So you had to know that this was happening to some level. To what level, I don't know. To what level you're willing to be honest with yourself, I don't know. But you had to know. If you didn't know, that is what I would class as sociopathy. That is what I would say, sociopathical behavior in which that you have absolutely no empathy for the other person. You can't even feel what it's like to be them. And then to have the goal, to have the hubris and arrogance to end the relationship without even accounting for your mistakes, for accounting and essentially what you should have done was prostrate yourself for the absolute obliteration is the word that comes to mind. The absolute failure for the absolute prostrate yourself for the absolute failure to take her emotional care in account, to recognize that she was upset. And even if you didn't understand what mistakes you made to seek the knowledge of what mistakes could have been made. The fact that you didn't even do that is just like grinding rock salt into an open flesh wound. You know, that makes it worse. If in this example, you had just at least said, I'm sorry, and I want to know why you feel so wrong done by, please tell me, right? Even if you had said that, she still would have been upset by that because she's like, are you fucking kidding me? You're not even aware enough to know what mistake you made. Okay, fine, here, here it is. So she still would have been upset by that, but she wouldn't have been as upset as she is now because of your complete 
dismissal of that and just riding off into the sunset just by thanking her for this, this and that and saying, well, let's let it be and let's move forward. You know, that is just rock soul, not even like fine grain soul, but that's just like actual raw rock soul carved off the cliff, just trying to grind it into an open flesh wound that's just bleeding. You know, that's what you're doing there to her emotionally. And it's just disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful behavior. Negligence at the highest order in terms of ethics. You get away on a legal technicality that you technically weren't dishonest, but you certainly weren't honest, and that's where I draw the ethical line. There's a, there's a very big difference between being dishonest and just not being honest. Being dishonest and being, just not being honest, you know, two different things. Being dishonest is that you are explicitly trying to manipulate and deceive someone. Not being honest is the babier version of that that will one day grow up into a much larger beast than the other, you know, than, than the uh, former. The former is a beast, definitely, but at least someone can see that manipulation and deception, or at least it was always what it was from the beginning. But the not being honest with someone, that's a, that's a baby because it seems cuddly, it seems cute, it seems benign to begin with, but in time only grows into a much larger beast that will one day crush the person at the end. That's what you did here. That's effectively what you did here. So you can argue, people can argue with me back and forward about, yeah, well, so what? So what if he wasn't straight up 100% with her? I'm like, well, yeah, you know what? Continue doing that. And you'll keep seeing these results. You want these results? You want to keep burning people? You want to keep treating human beings like pieces of shit? Then keep not being honest versus being dishonest, right? The path of just not being honest with people, not being direct, congruent, authentic, telling them how it is, being upfront with your intent about I need to see other people and have sexual freedom and I want you to have the same and if you're not cool with that, that's totally fine. We can just be friends. Keep not doing that. Keep dragging people down sexual experiences, lulling them into a sense of self-security in which that they feel like, okay, I'll get a relationship out of this guy one day and then just burn them at the end. Keep burning them. Right? Keep burning them. Keep doing that and see how your life turns out. See what kind of decisions you make in the rest of your life. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. If you're this dishonest, if you're this not honest in this one area of life, then how not honest are you in other areas of life? We talk about the transition between boyhood to manhood psychology. This is offensive. This is offensive in that journey. This is like, this is the child prince at the highest level. When I'm talking about child prince, boyhood psychology, child prince. Just the little prince, little child rocking around in the crib, just crying his eyes out. You know, it's like that's the level of psychology I'm saying here. It's absolutely brutal. I can't believe you would treat someone like this. It's actually like it's gobsmacking. It's actually gobsmacking that 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 of course, but Adam, he didn't hit her, he didn't rape her, he didn't kill her. You know, it's like surely there's worse than this. Okay, yeah, there is definitely worse than this. It's just that it hits me in the fucking soul because I thought this person would have known better. Like I know this person. I know this person to a certain degree. And I thought they would have known better than this. It's appalling. Like it's appalling to how much they've messed up here. And I haven't spoken to this person in a long time. But they say they follow my content. So it's like... Man. God damn it. God damn it. So anyways, I feel like I've emotionally dumped enough here. But that's my final verdict, if, if you will, is that she's well within her right to feel the way she feels. He's made all the mistakes. And even if not so explicitly, he was ethically and morally compromised. 
he was negligent at the highest level, did not take full duty of care for her emotional consideration. Okay. Okay. So. So. Let's get to some, let's get to, there's two things I want to mention here towards the end of his podcast. Number one, he asked a question. Should he consider not, should he consider not going on dates around where he lives in future? Like in future, when he knows a girl he's seeing lives in his area, doesn't want to take the risk of this happening again, keeps seeing a little girl. See, do you see how fucked up that mindset is? <laughs> do you see how fucked up that question is now? It's like, you shouldn't have to walk around your life hiding the woman that you're with. You should have set up your relationships from the beginning in which that, that was permissible, in which that you could walk down the street, be with a girl that you're with, and then see a girl that you're also seeing, and there's no worries because you're already under the assumption, not even assumption, you're under the pretense that this is cool because we're in an open free relationship. So your question is just indicative of your overall mindset. In which that you're just just in this avoidance, boyhood psychology, try and get away things mentality. It's like, no, no. You don't not go on dates with girls around areas where you know girls you already see because of fear of upsetting the girl. That's just a reverse engineering bullshit. Just don't set up the bullshit to begin with. Set it up clean and pure to begin with. In which that that would not be an issue. Which slides me into point number two, which is... An example from my own life in which that this was done well, when this is done the way it should have been done. And this is going to seem very anticlimactic because it's not nearly as explosive because it shouldn't be explosive. It shouldn't be explosive when it's done well. It shouldn't be fucking volcanoes and lightning bolts. So when I was first learning about open free relationships in my own life, it was a, I think it was a sunny Friday. Yeah, it was actually. It was a sunny Friday afternoon. I had just finished up being at one of my mate's apartments in the city, Adelaide CBD. Sunny afternoon, it's warm, kind of, I'll say about 5.30, 6 p.m. And in a Friday and in Adelaide, that's late night shopping. So it's pretty bustling. A lot of people around, a lot of energy, kids getting out of school, people getting out of work. And it's good vibes, good vibes in the mall. You know, there's buskers, there's street music, sun's going down, it's warm. I was out with one of my, mate, uh, one of my mates at the apartment We were down. We went down to the mall. We were just meeting some people in the mall. I think at this stage, I was at this stage. I was definitely high end conscious competence. I'm not sure if I was unconsciously competent, but I was definitely not in the beginning stages. Absolutely not. Like I'm talking about seven to eight on the clock face here at least, because I was on an instant date with a girl. I met a pretty beautiful girl. I can remember now. Beautiful girl, very attractive. It's important to note because of what's about to happen. It's not like it's just some random average girl. But it was a beautiful girl I was on an instant date with, met in the mall. We've been for a bit of a walk and we've been walking down the mall, uh, up and down, back and down the mall. And she had to go off to meet some friends somewhere else later on. So I would say it was maybe a 10, 15 minute interaction, 10, 15 minute direct interaction. And I could maybe five minutes together in the mall, like just stationary and then maybe 10 minutes walking up and down. Then she had to go meet her friends somewhere else around the CBD. I don't know, somewhere in the CBD. And that's it. Ended. Going to meet up another time. Great. Just, I would say, no more than 10 minutes later, get a text from one of the girls that I am seeing. At the time, I was seeing two different girls. We're in an open free relationship though. By the way, guys, do you think she's aware of that? Do you think she knows that? That I'm seeing another girl? Absolutely. Why? Because I told her. Because we set up the relationship to begin with. Is she seeing other guys? And do you think I know that? 
Yes and yes. Why? Because that's the way you set up an open free relationship. Clarity from the beginning, always. So, I'm uh, not use her real name. Let me just call her. I call her Jinx. I call her Jinx. It's a personal reference if she's listened to this. Definitely not her name though. So, uh, Jinx sends me a message. She sends me a text saying, hey, are you in the mall today? And I say, yeah, actually, perfect timing. Free right now. Where you at? She's like, ah, oh, meet me in front of the Apple store. Okay, cool. Meet her in front of the Apple store, which is like, uh, is giant in Rundle It's like the center of Rundle Mall in Adelaide. There's a lot of benches around there, a lot of people. I meet her there and she had just got out of uni or something like that. And so met her and, but this was just like the beginning of our open and free relationship. And so like high on love, high on drugs, high on the love drug with each other. And this was our one time of the week, really, like we hadn't seen each other since the last weekend. And so she just swung me a quick text just saying, are you in the mall? Because she happened to just finish uni. And so I, yeah, cool. So if it's our time to see each other this week, yeah, cool. Okay. So we meet up in front of Apple. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and that should always be your mindset towards uh, going on dates, by the way, my friends. Should not be a fucking military operation. Should not be a bomb defusal. Should be like, yeah, cool. <laughs> like there's just the non-attachment, the non, uh, the detachment from having to, you know, achieve anything you know sex relationship none of that just yeah cool yeah cool so we meet each other in front of the apple store we're sitting down there uh we meet up we're kind of like uh embracing each other and so i've got my hands around her hips she's got her hands around my neck we kiss each other it's beautiful actually i still remember to this day i fucking love you jakes fucking love you having a great life whatever you do it right now it's years and years ago and so and she's uh she's also a beautiful girl also beautiful girl. I can get, oh, no, I shouldn't get more details. Let's just say, so you can visualize it, just dark hair. Dark hair, a bit shorter than me, very, f- I was going to, she's not, she's not French, but she dresses very French. So, you know how French girls often wear very see-through tops, so you can see their colored bra underneath it? That's her kind of vibe. That's her kind of style. Let's give you a visualization. So we're standing there, we're embracing each other, and after, I don't know, just know, 30 seconds, 30, 60 seconds, we sit down on one of the benches, which is kind of like gives you like a view, a cinematic view of the entire mall, like panoramic in a way. It's like, it's, it's in the mall, but it's a bit set back. And so you can kind of just people watch as people walk through the mall. And yeah, it's feeling good. And I've got my arm around her. And we're on the bench sitting next to each other. Got my arm around her. She's cuddled up into me. She's nested into my chest. It's beautiful. Feeling good. I'll say five minutes goes by. And the girl that I was just on the instant date with, who I only met just before, in the mall, who I was just on the instant date with. And by the way, with the instant date, 100% directed Ted. Of course. Otherwise, I mean, you can get onto an instant date without direct intent, but it's that's fucking just weak. Like, that's just silly. But of course, you guys know, of course, with direct intent, she, our interaction was very sexually polarized. There was a lot of sexual chemistry between me and this girl on the instant date. So, and remember, it only just ended. So that feeling's still there within her, definitely. She went She went somewhere out of the mall and had to go meet someone somewhere, but she walked back through the mall with her friend and this is down the main strip. And as I was there on the bench with Jinx, who was, and it's very clear that she's not just my friend because my arm is around her. She's got her head nestled into my chest. Okay, it's very clear. There's no like, okay, he could be the little sister, could be his cousin, could just be a friend. No, 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 it's very clear. She walks, uh, the other girl, instant day girl, walks through with her friend, past the mall, uh, past us, walking through the mall. Now, what do you guys think I did? Do you think I did what this guy, what X did in his story? 
just ignore, don't make eye contact, just pretend like it didn't happen. Absolutely not. I see her walk by, I raise the hand. I've got my left hand is around uh, Jinx, so I raise my right hand and I shout out. And I won't use her name, let me just call Sarah, just a fake name Sarah. So I just call out and say, yo, Sarah, what's up? And I just wave. I just wave. Even though we've we've only known each other for like 10, 15 minutes, but of course, when you're on an instant date together, you know, that's a very fast tracked experience of each other in terms of investment. Like you really feel like you get to know someone through an instant date. And so it's only natural that when I see her walk by that, of course, I want to wave out to her. I want to say hi because we just had a great time and we know each other now. So why wouldn't I? I definitely wouldn't do what X did. I wouldn't look away. I wouldn't try and pretend. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't take my arm off Jinx and pretend that we're not together. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. More because that would offend Jinx. Like it wouldn't offend the instant day girl as much. It would offend Jinx to the highest level. So keep my arm around Jinx, wave up to Sarah and say, Sarah, she waves back at me, smiles. And her friend says, who's that? She goes, oh, it's Adam. And they walk on. And they walk on. Come back to Jinx. Jinx says, who was that? I said, oh, I just met her like 10 minutes ago. She's like, oh, cool. Anyways, so what were you doing later this weekend? And the interaction rolls on. Why didn't that erupt? Why didn't Jinx lose the fucking handle when some girl just waved at me? Right? Now, you guys might think, eh, she could have just been a friend. True, true. Well then, better question. Why didn't she lose the fucking handle when she asked me who was that and I said, I just met her 10 minutes ago. And by the way, I met Jinx through Cold Approach. So Jinx would be under the assumption that I also met that girl through Cold Approach, which means that there's also an assumption that there was sexual intent. Absolutely. She's under that assumption. But why didn't she lose the fucking handle? Because she's under the pretense that Adam sees other women. And I'm okay with that. I agreed to that. He's explicit with that, about me, with me, about that, and that I do the same as well. I see other guys. Adam knows that. So let's flip the reversal. Let's 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 roll reversal here. Let's say that two random guys walk by that I didn't know, and Jinx yells out to them and says, hey, Jake, what's up? Jake goes, hey, what's up, Jake? And then I say, hey, who's that guy? And she, she's like, oh, that's actually one of the guys that I'm seeing. Or actually, that's a guy that I just met last night. How about that? I'll be like, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Anyways, what were you saying about last episode of One Piece? What were you saying? Right? Yasha, yasha, right? That's exactly what it would have been. Why though? Why though? Why is it so easy? Why is it so calm? Why is it so amicable? Why is it so free-flowing? And the absence of lightning bolts and volcanoes and just the, the corruption of human decency. Why is none of that present in that story? Because of clarity. Because of directness, because of congruence, because of authenticity, because of the DCA, because of principles of being a man, because of you set up in your honorary role as a masculine being to make sure there's clarity at the beginning of this relationship. Why Why didn't, when Jinx sent me a text, that I said to her, oh, let's not meet up in the mall. Let's not meet up in the mall. Let, let's meet up down in the Botanics or down by the river or somewhere where there would be no potential or very low potential that I would run into the girl that I just met that instant date on. Why wasn't I looking over my shoulder, worried about a different girl that I was, I was seeing was going to come by? Because by the way, I was seeing another girl different to Jinx as well. And by the way, in Adelaide, small town, Friday night, a lot of people will frequent Rundle Mall. That's the, really the one place to go. 
So if I'm outwardly here in this outward public space embracing and caressing this girl, it's very likely that the other girl that I'm seeing, not Jinx and not the instant date girl, would have come by. Would have. It's very likely in a town like Adelaide if you're in that part of the mall. But why wasn't I worried about that? As this guy asked me. Because the other girl knows. And she knows. And the girl that I'm in Jinx knows that the other girl knows. You should never be operating in life as if you are walking on eggshells, as if you are doing something wrong. It's like, that's the principle. If you feel like you're doing something wrong, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. If you feel like you're doing something wrong, maybe you're not doing the right thing. The right thing is to set the relationship up proper from the beginning. And then you avoid all these fucking mistakes. You avoid all these hang-up fears. You, you just transition into manhood psychology. Right, that's what it is. And what's so amazing about it is that what have I really said here? Have I really said anything groundbreaking? What? Be honest? Be direct? Be congruent? Be authentic with the woman that you see? Let her know that you want to see other people and that that is the state of your relationship dynamics right now and that you want her to have the same freedom? Is that really so groundbreaking? And that if she's not comfortable with that, that's totally fine. No judgment, no hate. We can still maintain an amicable friendship. Absolutely. Is that going to break and shift the bonds of gravity? Is that really something so difficult to do? Absolutely not. I've been doing it for years. Absolutely years. I've had all my clients been doing it for years. I've got clients right now that are in, that have four, five, not six. I was about to go there just out of hyperbole. Four to five open free relationships right now. Five is really kind of the maximum before you just blow your fucking load. But you know, I've, I've had some guys though that will, ta- that will tip the upper end of five. And, and I've also got girlfriends as well who aren't clients, but girlfriends that are seeing two, three other guys at the same time. Like this is not, and oh, by the way, founded upon these principles I've been talking about, which are not groundbreaking. They are not uh, some magical concoction that you need to understand the, the very fibers of the universe to try and execute. No, it's really just, it's courage. Yeah, I admit that it requires courage because in order to have someone say yes to that, you have to be willing for them to say no. If you're not willing for someone to say no, they will never say yes freely, right? If you're going to have to go down the path of manipulation and deception to get them to kind of say yes, or at least just say not say no. It's not groundbreaking. It's not hard to do. I don't know why this guy didn't do it. That's what, that's his work. And that's where we'll start to wrap up this podcast, my friends, is that I'm speaking to you directly now, X. This has uh, been a disgraceful performance. No doubt about it. Absolutely disgraceful. But I still hold the empathy for you in which that you can still learn from this. This should be a formative learning experience. I would hope that you would take a intense review of not only what this podcast has been, but in your own life now to actually meditate and journal out what you would do differently next time. Because you can sit here and you can listen to this and go, okay, yeah, fuck that. I missed that up. Okay, I agree with that. But to actually synthesize the information that has been put out here to ensure that you would not make the same mistakes because these are not baby mistakes. These are not one percenters. These are giant chunks. These are 10% mistakes that are being made. Some even larger, some even larger. The, the not setting up of the relationship from the beginning is a 100% mistake. And when I'm talking about like that percentage, I'm talking about the size of them. Like it's like, that's just like, it's an A-bomb. It's an absolute A-bomb in the way that you did it. So like, I hope that you would heed this and go, wow, wow, I thought I knew something. I certainly do not. 
I certainly do not. I need to go way back, go right back. And more importantly for you, X, you need to understand why you did this. Because it's very clear that you either lack self-awareness or humility. I would get to the bottom of that. I think there's a mixture of both, personally. I think there's a mixture of both. I think there's some things that you just weren't even aware you're making that mistake. And I think there's also a lot, though, of just lack of humility, the willingness to, up, to own up to your mistakes. So there's so much work and internal engineering that you need to go into that there's, there's a lot, there's so much here, which is why you may need to revisit this podcast multiple times over. But not, I wouldn't say revisit multiple times over because obviously I put timestamps in all these podcasts on YouTube. In the YouTube description, there's always timestamps. Uh, what I would say most importantly is that you need to synthesize what you would do differently. You need to actively commit to change to say that I would not make this mistake again and here's why and this is what I'll do differently next time. That's the most important part to ensure change happens because that's really the only reason why I made this podcast. Like It's all well and good for us to just flame X and to point out all the mistakes he made and I'm sure all of you are going to learn from it. It's been very juicy and it's been very intense. It's been very inspirational in certain parts and also very disappointing in many parts as well. But it's been a great emotional experience, I can say that, at least for myself anyway. But hopefully it leads to change. That's what these podcasts are always lead into. I start the podcast with this. This is about learning about social dynamics, about improving our human interactions, our human relations. And so if you don't walk away from this saying that, okay, if from a general point of view, I've heard a lot of the mistakes this guy made, I'm certainly not going to make those. I'm looking at my relations right now. How am I being a little negligent? Am I being a little negligent? Am I being a little roundabout? Am I being a little indirect in certain ways with certain people? How can I up my directness with certain people? You know, that's the questions for you guys generally. But for him specifically, he needs to go through all of this, ask the same questions, more specifically to the questions I've asked him, answer them, and then move forward. You know? You certainly will not move forward by not addressing what's happened here. It's like you will only regress by thinking that this shit was okay and this is all good. It was not all good. It was anything but. It was basically all bad. It's basically just an affront to human dynamics. So, but at the same time, I don't like to end on a down point. What I like to say is that I always hold the light for everyone. No matter how far off someone may be, I never withhold the ability for them to change. I've done some very emotional podcasts, particularly one social Q&A, which I'm pretty sure I lost the fucking handle in it. And I, even though even though I did, I've done that multiple times in social Q&A actually because of how bad some of the stories were. And even then, I still held the light for both of them saying that, and multiple times over the years saying that, it doesn't matter how far gone you think you are or how far gone you've presented as, you always have a chance to improve. You always have a chance to learn. That's what this podcast is about. And I'm always here for you guys with that as well. All right, I'm, I'm foraying into different areas of work right now, doing a lot of work on the Eternal Energy channel on Facebook and Instagram in different, in different spaces with journalism and politics and that type of stuff. But listen, social dynamics is still my baby. Making sure that human beings are at the core, improving themselves in relation to others, that's still my baby. I'm making sure that making sure that my daughters don't meet someone like this, that's my baby. Making sure that my sons don't become this person, that's my baby. I want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to learn, to grow, and also to make sure that this guy doesn't live the rest of his life like this, that's my baby. Everyone should be always moving forward in the, their relation to how they relate to others, into their ability to how they interact with other human beings. Life would not be life without us all together. You know, life would not be life with me just here on a podcast mic and cameras and cars and shit if there wasn't another human being listening to this or if there wasn't another human being for me to meet on the beach tonight or to go out on the street. 
everything we do is so intertwined and interconnected with other people. We're not in the uh, we're not in re zero anymore. We're not in re zero. We're not in this world of artificial intelligence and virtual reality in which that we can escape to these paradigms that don't have consequences anymore. Like you see, these your lack of social dynamics has real consequences. Your stockade of social dynamics has consequences. Your ability, your performance, your incredible ability to perform social dynamics has consequences. Like it goes both ways. The benefits, the benefits are so real as well. When you actually nail it, when you actually get it done, you know, it's, that's why it's always so worthy to pursue. That's why I love it. So I thank you all so much for diving into this podcast with me today. If you have enjoyed it, please on YouTube, drop a thumbs up down below. Drop me some feedback in the comment section down below. Share this with a friend if you feel like you got some benefit. Make sure you subscribed as well. Tap that notification bell. Beep, beep. <laughs> Tap that notification bell. That was perfect. That was fucking perfect. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, my friends, that's it. We're wrapping up right here. Thank you so much. And I wish you all, all the love, all the peace, all the joy. Ciao. Thank you very much for diving into today's session. It was great to have you here and I'd love your feedback. If you want to send me a message on either social media, on Instagram or on Facebook or through the website, all the links are down below. That'd be greatly appreciated. And if you would like to help to support the podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link or through boldojo.com. Again, all the links down below. Also, if you're not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip, you can do so over at boldojo.com. Just a quick sip of Social Dynamics, a little cheeky article. It's free every single week. Comes out on Fridays, Australian time, and also some other sexy updates from the rest of the universe and any other things that I think you guys need to know about that will not get censored over on social media. If you'd like to book one-on-one coaching sessions, create action plans, and overcome limiting beliefs to help you move forward in your life across any area of the temple, whether it be purpose, physical, mental, or social development, you can reach all of that through boldojo.com. Send me an email there if you're not quite sure, but you can check out the Bowl Coaching Memberships or just once-off sessions. And I look forward to diving deeper with you. You can also pick up the Guided Meditation Eternal Energy on boldojo.com, a nice five-track, eh, we call it an album, but it's actually more of a course, just diving deep into who you are and evolving beyond. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, which is paypal.me forward slash adamui, A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Or also directly on boldojo.com in the boldojo podcast section. There's a direct link through the website if you want to donate through that as well. And anything that you guys donate is always most appreciated and just goes back to help supporting this show and everything that I'm doing here at the bowl. So thank you very much. And finally, I wish you all the strength and power as you move forward in this life. Not only learning how to interact better with other people, but learning how to interact better with yourself. Much peace and much joy. Ciao.